With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...to carry out its work with their... The 9,260th meeting of the Security Council is resumed.
I wish to remind all speakers to limit their statements to no more than three minutes in order to enable the Council to carry out its work expeditiously. Flashing lights on the colours of the microphones will prompt speakers to begin their, to bring their remarks to a close after three minutes. I now give the floor to the distinguished representative of the Philippines. Thank you, Mr. President. As an archipelagic state with more than half of its cities and communities located along its coasts, the Philippines is one of the most vulnerable to sea level rise due to anthropogenic climate change. Like other island nations, we are now beginning to experience significant amounts of sea level rise. For the Philippines, the observed sea level rise has been at 60 centimeters, about three times that of the global average. As previously raised in Council discussions, we underline the importance of not understating or overstating the impact of climate on conflict. The relationship between climate and conflict is not linear. It is complex, nuanced, and context-specific. In this regard, we emphasize that the forum for discussing climate change and international commitments to address the varied aspects of climate action is the UNFCCC. The Philippines defines national security as the state or condition wherein the nation's sovereignty and territorial integrity, the people's well-being, core values, and way of life, and the state and its institutions are protected and enhanced. The impacts of sea level rise threaten all these elements of security. These threaten the lives and livelihood of Filipinos, especially those in the coastal areas. It is therefore important that discussions on the implications of sea level rise on peace and security be always people-centered. The impact on statehood and security are far-reaching with the loss of territory and displacement of populations and attendant tensions over access to resources, livelihoods, and services. Sea level rise threatens the stability of boundaries. For the Philippines, we caution against inference in favor of ambulatory baselines, absent a showing of state practice and an opinion juris on the matter. We are more inclined to subscribe to the principle of uti possidetis juris, which in the past allowed newly independent states to maintain their maritime borders. Uti possidetis juris spouses certainty, predictability, and stability in boundaries. It will also serve to prevent conflict over boundaries. We welcome the International Law Commission's decision to work on three main issue areas related to sea level rise, the law of the sea, forced migration and human rights, and issues of statehood and international security. Their work would hopefully introduce some certainty on the implications of the phenomenon to the international legal order. Further, we hope that the UN, especially the Security Council, will take into account the IPCC's report including their projections and recommendations as follows. Sea level rise at the end of the century is projected to be faster under all scenarios. Non-climatic anthropogenic drivers will continue to increase the exposure and vulnerability of coastal communities. Sea level rise will have serious impact on coastal ecosystems over the course of the century. Expected annual flood damages will increase by two to three orders of magnitude by 2100. And achieving the SDGs 
and charting climate resilient development pathways depends in part on ambitious and sustained mitigation efforts to contain sea level rise coupled with effective adaptation actions to reduce its impacts and risk. Mr. President, the convergence of scientific opinion on our way forward sh should guide us in pursuing our common security agenda on the matter of sea level rise. Thank you, Mr. President. I thank the representative of the Philippines for their statement, and I give the floor to the representative of Indonesia. Mr. President, thank you for convening today's open debate. I also wish to thank the briefers for their insightful presentations. The impact of climate change, including sea level rise, has exacerbated our vulnerabilities. Our inability to adapt to the impact of climate change may allow potential security threats to becoming real security threats. From loss, of, from loss of livelihood to irregular migration, from food insecurity to environment degradation, perhaps even the potential loss of territory from the impact of sea level rise. Therefore, firm responses are key to addressing these challenges. On this note, I wish to highlight three points. First, potential conflicts as a result of sea level rise should be avoided. We recognize that sea level rise could bring potential impact to maritime borders. In this case, we also need to make sure that sea level rise should not affect maritime boundary agreements. The integrity of the existing maritime boundary agreements should be maintained. Second, we need concrete measures to build national resilience. The real danger of climate change on our planet, in particular sea level rise, demands strategic policies and practical measures. Affected countries need to have adaptive capacity and strong resilience as the responsibility to respond to the security impact of climate change lies within the country's concern. Measures to assist those countries should be made based on their needs and priorities. Third, we need to strengthen our cooperation and information sharing. The United Nations system must work in synergy according to their respective competency and mandate. Climate change and its related security impact, including sea level rise, are highly complex area. Rendering response by any single actor is impossible and unrealistic. It is therefore important to enhance cooperation and exchange information across all UN entities to ensure effective response strategies. Mr. President, the Security Council must consolidate its effort to better respond to the security impact of climate change and not the response to climate change itself. The UNFCCC must remain the leading forum to address climate change and for upholding the Paris Principles. All measures taken by the Security Council and the UNFCCC should be complementary. For our part, Indonesia stands ready to contribute to global efforts to com combat climate change, including the impact of sea level rise. I thank you. I thank the representative of Indonesia for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of New Zealand. Thank you, Mr. President. Aotearoa New Zealand thanks Malta for calling this important open debate on sea level rise and its implications for international peace and security. New Zealand aligns itself with the Pacific Island Forum Statement and the Statement of the Group of Friends on Climate and Security. Scientists globally agree that climate change is increasing the frequency, 
and intensity of extreme weather events and that those impacts will continue to worsen in future. In my own country, New Zealand, as Coral pointed out this morning, um, just yesterday we declared a state of national emergency in response to Cyclone Gabrielle. So severe is the widespread damage caused by this unprecedented weather event. This is only the third time in our history that a state of national emergency has been declared. Climate change is a threat multiplier. It amplifies and adds complexity to existing security threats. As the effects of climate change continue to accelerate, the associated impacts will fundamentally affect global security. Climate change remains the single greatest existential threat facing the Blue Pacific. Pacific Islands Forum leaders have declared that the Pacific is facing a climate emergency that threatens the livelihoods, security, and the well-being of its people and ecosystems. Backed by the latest science and the daily lived realities in Pacific communities. One of the most significant impacts of climate change in the Pacific will be sea level rise. Some Pacific Island countries experience up to four times greater sea level rise than the global average. While the severity and impacts of sea level rise will vary between states and regions, it is a phenomenon that will have implications for all states and which will pose specific peace and security threats to the international community as a whole. Sea level rise is already impacting vulnerable communities and degrading the, habitat, the habitability of low-lying nations and has the potential to inundate low-lying territorial features. This will cause immeasurable economic, social, cultural and environmental harm. It is therefore critical that the international community cooperates to develop responses to these issues. The impacts of rising sea levels also raise important legal questions relevant to international peace and security. Maritime zones and the resource rights that come with them are essential to countries' economies, identities and ways of life especially for small island developing states. We stand behind the 2021 Declaration on Preserving Maritime Zones in the face of climate change related sea level rise. Issued by Pacific Island Forum leaders and firmly grounded in the primacy of the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, it sets, out how our regions, it sets out our region's collective position on how UNCLOS applies in the situation of climate change-related sea level rise to promote legal stability and certainty over maritime zones. New Zealand is appreciative of the level of international support that the declaration has received. We look forward to ongoing engagement with the international community to ensure that the maritime rights and entitlements that many states rely on are preserved, consistent with the principles of equity, certainty and stability that underpin the Convention. Pacific leaders have also recognised the importance of, of considering the preservation of statehood and the protection of persons affected by sea level rise.
Pacific Island Forum members, including Aotearoa New Zealand, are examining these issues and are being guided and informed by applicable principles and norms of international law and relevant international frameworks and standards. Finally, allow me to comment on Vanuatu's initiative for an ICJ advisory opinion on climate. New Zealand is a proud member of the core group supporting this initiative because of our active interest in having clarity on the international legal implications of climate change. I want to affirm that Aotearoa New Zealand is committed to supporting countries to take urgent action on sea level rise to build a safer, more prosperous and sustainable future. Thank you. I thank the representative of New Zealand for their statement and I now give the floor to the representative of Denmark. Mr. President, thank you for convening this timely meeting on a matter of utmost uh, urgency. Thank you also to our distinguished briefers for providing important context for today's debate. I have the honor to deliver this statement on behalf of the Nordic countries, Finland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, and of course, my own country, Denmark. According to the IPCC, an estimated 680 million people from coastal communities across the world are particularly exposed to ocean and cryosphere change, such as sea level rise and associated loss of biodiversity. And the citizens of small island developing states, and especially of the low-lying atoll countries, are faced with the existential threat of their country becoming uninhabitable, or even the partial or complete inundation of land territory. And if your land territory becomes inundated, where do you go as a people? And how do you preserve your culture and your heritage? How can sovereignty be maintained and what are the implications for a state's maritime zones? I mean, these questions have been asked and raised by six countries for decades, and it is high time that we together find clear answers. And as the International Law Commission is considering the legal aspects of these questions, we welcome today's discussions, particularly on the peace and security implications of sea level rise. This debate is well-timed given the Council's critical role in promoting a greater understanding of the issues at stake to prepare and protect people as climate change forces them to adapt and eventually relocate. Today's plight of communities in low-lying coastal areas is tomorrow's plight of the global community. President, allow me to address your personal questions. There is increasing evidence that climate change is a significant risk multiplier, especially when combined with other factors such as socioeconomic inequality and weak resource governance. In line with the Council's mandate to maintain international peace and security, the Council also has a role in raising awareness of threats to peace and security, including where this can prevent or help decrease the risk of relapse into conflict, but also when it comes to promoting human security. We urge the international community to redouble efforts to reduce the impacts of sea level rise. And in relevant resolutions on UN peace operations, the Council must continue to consider the UN's supportive role in helping states mitigate and adapt to the adverse effects of climate change in order to address climate-related security risk. The Council should explicitly request the UN to continue to build its capacity and expertise in addressing climate-related security risk and strengthen UN missions engagement with local, regional, and other actors in this process. Some countries, such as Fiji, have already progressed on national legislation and plans on how to respond to the adverse effects of climate change. 
and sharing of ideas and lessons learned among those most affected by sea level rise could identify entry points for a UN and its wider membership can help support national and regional engagement on addressing climate, peace, and security risk. Mr. President, the protection of state sovereignty and individual human rights are enshrined in the UN Charter. And in addition, the UN countries remain confident that UNCLOS, which sets out the legal framework for all activities in the oceans and seas, is the appropriate framework for successfully addressing these and other emerging challenges. But the global security implications of a country's land territory being completely submerged for states and their citizens are yet to be fully discovered. To ensure solutions that promote peace and stability, it is essentially that we jointly pursue a deeper understanding of how climate change impacts the peace and security situation in specific countries and contexts, but also related challenges. And as a starting point, we reiterate our support for regular reports by the UN Secretary General on the topic and for climate-related security risks to be integrated into country-specific reporting to the Council. Finally, we should never stop looking for opportunities. We know that inclusive natural resource governance is key to peace and security. And where governments invest in legislation and capacity to benefit all communities, the associated peace dividend can reduce the risk of conflict. Taking action to battle the climate crisis we collectively face is key. Involving the right people is imperative. Participation of rights holders, especially women, youth, and local community, must be at the center of these efforts to ensure that the solutions are locally owned and led and empowers marginalized groups and do not inadvertently harm those we seek to protect. I thank you. I thank the representative of Denmark for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Vietnam. Mr. President, Vietnam is one of the coastal countries hardest hit by climate change, sea level rise, and saline intrusion. Around 11 to 26% of the population of Vietnam, mostly in the low-lying Mekong and Red River deltas, are facing different risks of inundation depending on the corresponding scenarios of sea level rise. This is why there, is, uh, there is a reason why Vietnam understands firsthand the multifaceted adverse impacts of climate change and sea level rise on peace, security, and even the existence of states. Sea level rise, among others, can exacerbate existing socioeconomic problems and therefore exacerbate risks of instability and insecurity while incubating conditions for potential conflicts. This is the reason why this topic is dear to our heart and has always been our top priority in multiple platforms, including during our term as an elected member of the Security Council in 2020-2021. In October 2021, Vietnam organized a Security Council area formula meeting on the very issues that we are dis discussing today. This is also the reason why we believe that addressing climate change and sea level rise is crucial to national and global peace, security, and sustainable development. The fight against climate change and sea level rise should be comprehensive and requires concerted effort that put people at the heart of the solution. These efforts should go in hand in hand with the solutions to deal with the root causes of the insecurity, such as poverty and inequality. Various disputes settlement mechanisms should be strengthened. International commitments should be fully implemented. In this regard, special attention and support should be given to vulnerable states, such as least developed countries 
and small islands developing states. The role and coordination of relevant organs of the UN should be further strengthened. We support the annual Human Rights Council resolution on climate change and human rights to ensure global climate justice. Vietnam is also among the core group to draft and strongly support a General Assembly resolution initiated by Vanuatu requesting for an advisory opinion of the International Court of Justice on the obligations of states in respect of climate change. We support ongoing efforts of the INC study group on sea level rise in relation to international law to identify legal consequences of sea level rise. As for the Council, it is incumbent upon the Council to heed the security implications of sea level rise and contribute to global efforts to address the, the impacts of this global challenge in a most comprehensive manner. The Council should consider convening more briefings by scientists, experts, and capitalize international and regional experience on the impact of sea level rise to peace and security. The Council might encourage to develop a UN comprehensive database on the multidimensional impacts of sea level rise to facilitate global climate actions decision-making process. The Council may also consider to adopt an early warning system on sea level rise in conflict regions. Mr. President, the fight against climate change and sea level rise cannot be won without concerted effort and inclusive partnership. The Security Council plays a significant role in this endeavor. I thank you, Mr. President. The representative of Vietnam for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Slovenia. Thank you, Mr. President. Let me first congratulate Malta on assuming the presidency this month and, and for organizing, thank you for organizing this debate on the important topic of sea level rise. Slovenia aligns itself with the EU statements on the group of, and, the, and the group of friends on climate security. We wish to make the following remarks in our national capacity. Um, the climate change is not only an environmental concern, but one of major global security threats. Uh, it puts into danger humanity. Uh, humanity's very own existence. The impact of climate change on the sea level rise is one of the most critical manifestations. It does threaten the territorial integrity, jeopardizes livelihoods, exacerbates human humanitarian crisis, um, and increases social tensions and, and leads people to move. It does threaten the very existence of low-lying and small island states. and. Uh, there should be no doubt that these states deserve our utmost attention and support. Even in my own country, Slovenia, one of the least affected countries globally, uh, our current projections are the sea level will rise at least 30 centimeters by the end of the century, in the worst case scenario by a meter, leaving our coastal areas flooded 40% of the time. Uh, Chair, I wish to make the following three points on the topic at hand. First, we need to work together to implement measures to mitigate the impacts of sea level rise while at the same time support affected communities, including through investment in adaptation and resilience efforts. Slovenia is joining those who are increasing their contributions to this end. The severity of impacts demand uh, global solidarity and we need to be there for the countries who need us the most. Second, the United Nations must focus more systematically and ambitiously on the interactions between climate change and global security, also here in the Security Council. We commend Malta for bringing this topic to the Council. By prioritizing these issues, including with discussions on the, at the highest political level, we can prevent the world from becoming even more unjust and dangerously unequal. Building resilience in the, in the vulnerable regions and with vulnerable groups is the only way forward. 
we should pay particular attention not only to women, children and youth, but also to older persons, as climate change requires to acknowledge also social inclusion and good governance. The triple nexus, humanitarian, development and peace must remain at the heart of any efforts towards global security and well-being. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Third, as the incoming chair of the Barcelona Convention, the key platform of environmental multilateralism in the Mediterranean region, Slovenia is committed to protection of the maritime ecosystem and aware of its importance for peace and security in the, in the Mediterranean region. In conclusion, Mr. Chair, my country, Slovenia, remains ready to continue working globally and proactively on this important issue also in the future. I thank you for your attention. I thank the representative of Slovenia for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Chile. Thank you very much, uh, President Chile. Thanks, Malta, for this uh, very relevant uh, meeting. At this time, we wish to highlight four main ideas. Firstly, the topic is relevant in the Security Council. In recent years, it has become clear that climate change is a threat multiplier. When it acts uh, combined with the socio-economical political factors, it increases the risk of violence and intensifies the factors of conflict such as food insecurity, economic crises and migration. In this way, it contributes to perpetuating existing conflicts and makes it even more difficult to eradicate them. This has been recognized by the Secretary General since 2009 in his report relating to Resolution 63-281 of the General Assembly. We are cognizant of our own vulnerability to climate change because Chile meets seven of the nine vulnerability criteria indicated in the uh, UNFCCC. In particular, my delegation wishes to recall the two Formula ARIA meetings in 2015 and 2021 with which this uh, event has important synergies. In addition, there are at least five other area meetings and uh, one special session of this body in September 2021. A second point that Chile wishes uh, to highlight is uh, to continue discussing the most tangible effects of climate change that are accelerated by human activities such as the increase in sea levels. Chile recognizes the challenges in the area of security, both uh, internally, regionally, and also internationally, which are caused by this phenomenon. The international community should adopt concrete actions with a forward-looking approach. 
in order to cooperate with communities that will be most affected and in order to avoid a disaster that will impact the security of very broad regions of the world, in particular the Pacific Ocean Basin to which our country belongs and uh, in which we are involved in finding solutions. We should have a holistic outlook, outlook where scientific forecasts are at the heart with a infrastructure, a re resilient infrastructure strategy and active participation of communities. The third point is that uh, Chile uh, values the study by the ILC, which includes topics that can offer responses uh, for international security, such as protection of affected people, stability of maritime boundaries, amongst others. We believe that it is relevant for the Security Council to have a number of principles in mind. Equity, the shared but differentiated responsibilities, the duty to cooperate, the principle of the polluter pays, and the principle of territorial integrity and of uh, judicial stability as regards maintaining baselines and the external limits of maritime zones in accordance with UNCLOS, as well as the obligation of non-refoulement to third states with relation to persons affected. Fourth point, we uh, highlight that uh, climate disasters disproportionately affect women. The origin of this differentiated impact has many causes ranging from economic to cultural factors. In addition, the persistence of a humanitarian response without a gender-based approach deepens this disproportionate effect of climate emergencies. The Council can respond to the triple nexus of gender inequality, state fragility, and climate vulnerability in a number of different ways. Its resolutions should recognize the intersection of these issues and their differentiated impact on peace and international security and establish mandate points to address them. The lack of significant participation by women in uh, formulating policies related to climate change has not allowed them to uh, imprint the necessary gender perspectives that would address the specific and differentiated needs of women. President Chile believes that a advisory opinion of the ICJ would be useful to clarify the duties, the obligations of states in the matter of climate change, including the increase in sea level. Colombia, to, together with Colombia, Chile uh, has requested an advisory opinion from the Inter-American Court of Human Rights on the impacts of climate emergency. There is a similar initiative for ITNOS. We uh, hope that uh, they will provide uh, relevant uh, information. Our uh, main concern is uh, linked to uh, climate emergencies and the uh, loss of uh, livelihoods, uh, displacement, migration, and interruption to access to health services, as well as ha the increase in harmful behaviors. We uh, believe that, that states uh, should uh, take uh, mitigating action to prevent negative situations. I thank you. The representative of Chile for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Morocco. Mr. President, the Kingdom of Morocco would like to thank His Excellency Ian Borg, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Malta, for having convened and presided this open debate of the Security Council on sea level rise, threats to international peace and security, implications for international peace and security. This debate is an excellent opportunity to better shore up the link between sea level rise and peace, security, international stability, and climate change. These 
are that is an existential threat for several countries and regions throughout the world. We are only just starting to ask ourselves what these questions mean for the international community. Currently, international law only provides limited guidelines on the way to engage with the progressive disappearance of the continental mass of a country that's below the sea level. When the UN Charter was adopted in 1945, as well as the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, UNCLOS, in 1982, sea level rise wasn't even thought of as a problem because climate change wasn't foreseen certainly not at the pace and proportion that we see currently. Indeed, sea level rise has various facets to it, led by, led rather by Pacific small island states. This topic has been made rightly one of the priorities of the International Law Commission, the ILC. Morocco welcomes the fact that this important topic has been included in the work program of the ILC and is closely following the work of the study group set up to this end. Sir, Coastal zones are characterized by thriving populations, industries, transport networks, and dense communication networks, as well as huge tourist resorts. In many countries, erosion and floods are devastating vast areas, including the African coasts. To this end, and as part of Morocco's commitment and because of its uh, solidarity-based African policy led by His Majesty the King Mohammed VI, Morocco is stepping up its efforts to strengthen the climate resilience of African island states since the first summit of African action convened by His Majesty the King on the sidelines of COP22 in Marrakesh in 2016. Three African committees rather on climate have been set up and are now up and running, including one on small island states chaired by the Seychelles. Morocco continues its support for this committee in order to ensure institutional and financial support in the areas such as the blue and green economies and also to strengthen technical, scientific and financial support to small island states. Morocco is also interested in the Rising Nations Initiative put forward by the leaders of the Pacific Atoll countries. This seeks to protect their status as a state, to preserve their sovereignty, to protect also and preserve the rights and heritage of the populations effective. Along these lines and buoyed by its commitment to climate issues, Morocco has joined in the initiative brought forward by Vanuatu seeking to call for an advisory opinion of the ICJ to clarify the rights and obligations of states pursuant to international law. In as regards the impact of climate change in particular on the worst effective states. I'd also like to remind you that Morocco continues to strengthen its cooperation in the area of uh, integrated coastal zone management in order to have sustainable development. In 2019, Morocco, with broad support from member states, presented the first UN resolution on strengthening cooperation in the area of integrated coastal zone management. This sought to prevent disasters, mitigate their impact and promote to sustainable development of coastal zones. In conclusion, Mr. President, we would urge the Security Council to take into consideration the link between climate and security in its decisions before conflicts break out or worsen. 
we cannot talk about the issue of sea level rise without talking about climate migrants, which is a reality today. Let us not forget, rather, that worsening climate change throughout the world might force more than um, 216 million migrants to be displaced by 2050 because of drought, poor harvest, sea level rise and desertification. Today, we are putting an appeal to the international community to support the Marrakesh Compact for safe, orderly and regular migration and a comprehensive way to tackle the growing challenge of climate migrants in countries of origin, transit and destination. Thank you. Morocco for their statement. And I now give the floor to the representative of Portugal. Thank you, Mr. President. And allow me to commend Malta for convening this timely meeting and for further bringing to the attention of the Security Council the importance of the climate security nexus. We also appreciate the valuable contributions of the Secretary General, the President of the General Assembly, and the other distinguished briefers. We align ourselves with the statements of the European Union and of the Group of Friends on Climate and Security. Mr. President, we have heard most speakers today talking about the specific effects of sea level rising that are diverse and significant, particularly for coastal areas, low-lying coastal states and small island states. And we cannot overstate it, their potential implications for peace and security, including as a driver of conflict and a risk multiplier. Precisely two weeks ago, as co-chair of the steering committee... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the SEEDS partnerships, Portugal co-hosted with Samoa an event on climate-induced mobility in SEEDS which left no room for doubt about how climate change is already forcing large number of people away from their homes. Displacement of people, forced migration, threats to, to territorial integrity, territorial and boundary disputes, as well as the escalation of current conflicts are only some of the consequences that are already that we are already witnessing and which are prone to become further exacerbated in the future. Mr. President, as a coastal state with island territories and three quarters of our population living in coastal areas, Portugal welcomes the opportunity to reflect on the implications of sea level rise for peace and security, and more importantly, on how to collectively address this phenomena. In our view, we must start at the very root causes of the problem. We need to do more and faster 
to fight climate change. Portugal has been at the forefront of efforts to mitigate climate change. We were among the first countries to commit to climate neutrality by 2050. And at the second UN Oceans Conference in Lisbon, we pushed for a new set of more ambitious and more effective commitments towards implementing the oceans-related targets of the 2030 Agenda, and we continue working on further advancing the climate, water, oceans nexus. We must also focus on preparedness, on building resilience and adaptation to these impacts in all its consequences. And these efforts also should include the ability to answer legal questions arising from sea level rise and its impacts. In this connection, we support ongoing reflections on how to preserve stability and legal security in international relations, and we highlight the importance of solutions consisting consistent with international law, including UNCLOS. We particularly commend the work carried out by the ILC, whose study group is co-shared by a Portuguese member of the Commission, Professor Galvão Teles. We also fully support Vanuatu's initiative to request an advisory opinion of the ICG on the obligations of states in respect to climate change. Mr. President, it is crucial that the UN system, as the platform better placed to promote a cooperative and coordinated response to these challenges, works coherently to better prevent, prepare for, and respond to sea level rise. It is thus imperative that the UN system develops the means to do so. In our view, it is key that the Security Council continues to work towards a comprehensive approach to address the security impacts and risks posed by climate change. We trust this meeting is a timely step in that direction. I thank you. I thank the representative of Portugal for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Lebanon. Merci, Monsieur le Président. Thank you, Mr. President. I would like to congratulate you on Malta acceding to the presidency of the Security Council. Our two countries are both on the Mediterranean and surrounded by it, and they have an existential link with the sea, and my delegation therefore welcomes the holding of this debate. We would like to thank the Secretary General, the President of the General Assembly, um, and Minister Orescu on behalf of the ILC Study Group, and also Ms. Coral Pasisi from Civil Society for their briefings this morning. The diverse nature of these speakers shows very well the need to work together and multilaterally or with the United Nations at the heart of this work to be better prepared and better respond to the threat posed by sea level rise. For small island developing states, nothing less than their survival, sir, is at stake. While these nations are currently at the forefront of facing the danger of sea level rise, coastal regions are also significantly effective because of the numerous and varied impact of sea level rise. Ultimately, the international community in its entirety is affected by this phenomenon. 
a phenom this is, phenomenon is, as we are well aware, is caused by climate change. It can lead not only to the loss of means of subsistence and a scarcity of resources, but also to forced displacement of people, therefore increasing migration pressure and food insecurity. And these are just a few examples. Mr. President, this paves the way for more instability a worsening security risk and also tension, even conflict. That is something that is felt most strongly by those states and regions that are already uh, facing crises. Peace, security and development cannot be disassociated from each other. Focus henceforth needs to be on strengthening prevention. The implementation of the Paris Agreement is absolutely crucial if we want to have more stability and reduce climate disasters to this end nationally determined contributions mitigation adaptation and resilience plans all of these could deal with the impact of climate change as risk factors for instability crisis and conflict this would help to increase the adaptation capacity of countries and in particular for the most vulnerable countries better understanding the links between instability conflict and climate change is necessary for the security council this is why a regular report from the secretary general on the impact in terms of security of climate change is so important of course, this depends on the situation in each region or each country. Furthermore, the Peacebuilding Commission, as an advisory body, could examine the repercussions of climate change on peace and security. It would thus help to develop conflict prevention strategies and to promote or examine rather a peace uh, building strategies taking into consideration climate change more strengthening prevention must of course be accompanied by predictable and sustainable financing in particular for those states most affected by sea level rise the varying impact of sea level rise raises several Legal questions pertain to the law of the sea, the survival of states, and the protection of those affected. In conclusion, we are very much following with interest the work of the ILC on this, which, clarif which will clarify a number of areas of international law and which will potentially provide legal and practical solutions for states. Thank you very much. Representative of Lebanon for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Austria. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President, and thanks for organizing this meeting on sea level rise. Austria is a mountainous, landlocked country, so why are we speaking here today? Well, we are here because we care. We care about those states whose security, if not their very existence, is threatened by the consequences of climate change. And we care not only today on Valentine's Day, we care. I should also point out that we align ourselves with the statement by the European Union, uh, but I'd like to add three short points also in uh, our national capacity. First, Austria welcomes that the Security Council deals with the key question related to climate change. It's undisputable that climate change has increasing effects on states and thereby eventually also on international peace and security. The Council should address issues concerning climate and security as a key priority 
more often. Second, sea level rise does not only affect states, it primarily affects people, whether they live in coastal areas, on small island nations, Rising sea levels destroy the livelihood of people, leading to displacement and conflicts over freshwater and fertile land. Exacerbated by droughts and other natural disasters, as well as conflicts, crime, and poverty, the very existence of these people is threatened and their fate must not be ignored. We need to be there in solidarity. Third, from a legal perspective, sea level rise affects several issues, such as territorial integrity, statehood, the delimitation of maritime boundaries, entitlements such as the exclusive economic zone, questions regarding the protection of the affected people. In our view, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, which largely reflects customary international law, must be globally and uniformly applied. But many questions remain. Does a state continue to exist if it loses its territory? what happens to the population and the, the resources. Austria welcomes that the International Law Commission has taken up the topic. It's important to look at creative solutions here, making use of all technological possibilities. Mr. President, in sum, this is an issue that dramatically affects peace and security of some UN member states. Austria, in its tradition as a strong supporter of multilateralism, international law and solidarity remains committed to working to common solutions that help those most affected by climate security challenges and encourages the Council to actively engage on these issues. Thanks. Representative of Austria for their statement and I now give the floor to the representative of Guyana. Mr. President, at the outset I would like to commend Malta for organizing today's open debate and thank the Secretary General and distinguished briefers for their important contributions. Guyana aligns itself with the statements to be delivered on behalf of CARICOM and EOSIS. Mr. President, there are many deleterious effects of sea level rise that must be examined in the context of their implications for international peace and security. First and most immediate is its impact on food and water security. For example, in my country, Guyana, more than half of the population lives at least six feet below sea level. For our coastal communities, sea level rise not only results in soil erosion, but also in saltwater intrusion into areas that are critical for food production. The same can be said for many low-lying states and SIDS. What we see as crucial to building resilience is ensuring that vulnerable countries have the knowledge and financial and technological capacities to withstand the disruption to food production and the availability of potable water. Second are the legal implications. As a coastal state, Guyana has maritime boundaries with several states, albeit with some remaining to be defined. While there is presently no obligation on the on with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Clause. To keep baselines and other related boundaries under review once they are deposited with the Secretary General, one cannot discount the fact that sea level rise has territorial consequences, including the erosion of coastlines, the disruption of baselines, and consequently the boundaries determined by those baselines. This has significant security implications. In situations where boundaries are undefined, there is an even greater possibility for tension and conflict. When one factors in potential loss of territory and displacement of people, we may be left with a potential humanitarian situation for which none of us are prepared. Mr. President, Guyana agrees with those who have emphasized the importance of mitigation and adaptation measures where possible. But there is a cost attached. Indeed, international cooperation is an obligation for all states, but there is also the matter of equity. We must not only consider where these measures can be implemented, but also who could afford them and what happens to those that cannot. The need for urgent delivery of climate finance is paramount. Allow me to conclude, Mr. President, by stressing the need for bolder climate action, adequate support to vulnerable countries, capacity building, and more robust international cooperation that aligns with the national priorities of the affected states. Time is against us. Commitment must be completed by action. I thank you. I thank the representative of Guyana for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of India. Thank you, Mr. President. Allow me to congratulate Malta on assuming the presidency of the Security Council. We also thank you for convening this open debate on an important issue. Our gratitude as well to the Secretary General, the President of the General Assembly, and all the briefers for their valuable inputs. Mr. President, I will make two quick points. First, the small island developing states. The SIDS are at the forefront of the challenge of climate change and sea level rise. They are the worst sufferers of a global problem they did not contribute to. Adaptation to climate change remains one of the highest priorities for the SIDS. Reducing the vulnerabilities of SIDS and strengthening their resilience to climate change should be a collective responsibility of the international community. What we need now is to enhance action on all important policies that address climate change, including fulfilling the commitments on climate finance and technology transfer. Two, with a coastline of around 7,500 kilometers and several groups of islands located far away from the mainland, India is cognizant of the adverse impacts of sea level rise. However, it is our considered submission that the Security Council is not the place to address climate change-related issues or even sea level rise. We have repeatedly underlined that there exists little scientific correlation or evidence of the impact of climate change on peace and security. 
the most equitable architecture to combat climate change is the UNFCCC process, where each member state has an equally important stake. In this context, we have welcomed the setting up of the loss and damage financial facility at Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, and the inclusion of issues surrounding a sustainable lifestyle. The operationalization of the fund needs to be expedited so that the most vulnerable developing countries are equally compensated. Finally, Mr. President, given the history and backdrop of unkept promises on financial commitments, isn't it ironical that developing countries are expected to bear the brunt of everything? The burden of developing climate resilience, industrialize without carbonizing, grapple with adverse climate events, and lift millions out of poverty, all at the same time, while also managing disruptions and uncertainties in global supply chains. Oversimplification of causes of conflict will not help in resolving them, nor can it justify extreme policy measures. Climate change is more about development and less about peace and security. Choosing to place this in non-mandated forums, especially those where all members do not sit on an equal footing, may undermine the larger cause of securing climate justice. Thank you. I thank the representative of India for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Costa Rica. Senor President, as a small coastal country, but a great ocean state, Costa Rica is acutely concerned about the impacts of sea level rise on the livelihoods of our citizens and our community, but also on regional global stability and security. As an urgent uh, starting point for this discussion, we would consider the fulfillment of UNFCCC obligations. We must halve greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 and increase climate adaptation and resilience measures. We must meet our climate finance commitments, including operationalizing the loss and damage fund. This is not charity. This is a moral, environmental, and economic imperative in order to guarantee international peace and security and true climate justice. In addition, it is essential that we recognize, address, and mainstream humanitarian security implications of sea level rise across the United Nations system. The compounding effects of sea level rise may produce new conflicts over land and resources, as well as creating dangerous migration patterns and exacerbate the exploitation of vulnerable groups. The Security Council and the Peacebuilding Commission together must and they can jointly deliver an effective response that considers a human security approach and that of sustainable sustaining peace as established by the review of the UN peacebuilding architecture. On another note Small coastal states are uh, facing uh, dire straits. They face losing large parts of or sometimes their entire territories to the sea. Such large-scale losses can undermine the very foundation of the present international order. We must therefore have a better understanding of the legal implications of sea level rise. Costa Costa Rica therefore welcomes the progress of the International Law Commission on sea level rise in relation to international law. 
we support the request for an advisory opinion by the Commission of Small Island States on climate change from ITLOS, as well as the uh, request uh, to the ICJ on the obligations of states in relation to climate change. Additionally, Costa Rica strongly encourages discussion of international criminal law implications of acts that cause irremediable ecological damage, including a possible definition of ecocide. President, we reiterate our commitment to addressing the implications of sea level rise, including within the framework of the third UN Oceans Conference, which Costa Rica will co-host together with France. It is now time for us to move from words to action. Urgently and collectively, we must do this in order to ensure a secure and stable future for all. I thank you. Representative of Costa Rica for their statement, and I give the floor to the representative of Greece. President, members of the Security Council, distinguished guests, colleagues, it is an honor to take part in this open debate on a matter of great importance, and I would like to commend Malta's President of the Security Council for this initiative. Greece aligns itself with the statement to be delivered by the European Union on this topic and would like to add a few thoughts in our national capacity. The issue of sea level rise is directly linked to the application and implementation of the provisions of the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. The universal and unified character of the UNCLOS sets out the legal framework within which all activities in the oceans and seas must be carried out. Therefore, being the constitution of the ocean, the Convention that reflects customary international law sets the legal basis for settling and regulating any relevant issue that may arise. With respect to peace and security issues dealing with sea level rise, UNCLOS provides the answers to the question raised within its proper context. Predictability, stability, and certainty, which are inherent to the Convention and guides application, involve the preservation of basins and of the outer limits of maritime zones, as well as of maritime entitlements deriving therefrom in accordance with UNCLOS. Furthermore, the Convention imposes no obligation of reviewing or recalculating basins or the outer limits of maritime zones established in accordance with its provisions. Greece underlines the importance of safeguarding the stability of maritime boundaries, confirmed by state practice and international jurisprudence. The International Court of Justice very recently said, and I quote, observed that boundaries between states, including maritime boundaries, are aimed at providing permanency and stability, unquote. For this reason, maritime boundaries agreements are subject to the rule excluding boundary agreements from fundamental change of circumstances, and hence sea level rise does not affect maritime boundaries. Climate change increases the frequency and impact of extreme weather events such as floods, land erosion, and water salination, impacting on low-lying territories and lands, thus disrupting the lives of millions of people with food insecurity, water scarcity, epidemics, and health risks among its, its most common consequences. Greece, being a contracting party to all major international environmental conventions, treaties, and protocols, actively participates in ongoing multilateral negotiations and meetings, supporting all efforts to strengthen and improve environmental protections at all levels for the benefit of present and future generations. The Security Council, in addressing sea level rise impacts on peace and security within the framework of international law, would be a driving force and an instrumental factor in creating synergies among states, UN bodies, and regional international organizations. 
This might be the case when the Security Council is dealing with humanitarian risks or when addressing the impacts of sea level rise and climate vulnerability as regards the protections of human rights, highlighting gender issues. In the future, the ability of the international community to anticipate and adapt to security impacts of sea level rise, as well as climate change in general, may be equally important to our long-term efforts to reverse it. We need to improve our awareness of climate-related security risks by enhancing our understanding of the links between the impacts of sea level rise and security. By integrating combining actions and policies on climate security and development, we will ensure the best possible outcome delivered on multiple levels. I thank you so much. Thank the representative of Greece for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Thailand. Uh, thank you, Mr. President, and congratulations to Malta for assuming the presidency of the Security Council, and thank you for organizing this crucial and timely debate on sea level rise. Our appreciation also goes to the Secretary General, the President of the General Assembly, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Romania, and co-chair of the International Law Commission Study Group on civil rise, Sea Level Rise in relation to international law, and the distinguished civil society representative for their valuable perspectives. Now, Thailand and the Thai people are not immune to sea level rise. In fact, none of us are. Bangkok is sinking and at risk, and so are other cities, beaches, and low-lying areas along our 3,000-kilometer coastline of Thailand. As an economy which is dependent on tourism and agricultural exports, sea level rise is a threat to our economic lifeline, our food security, our home, our livelihood. Thailand is very much concerned with the impacts of sea level rise currently experienced by our friends around the globe, many of whom are much more vulnerable and facing far greater loss and an existential threat. Sea level rise also raises questions concerning statehood, maritime zones and boundaries, as well as the protection of affected persons, many of which are fundamental to the maintenance of international peace, security and stability, and to the peaceful relations and cooperation among states. It is therefore high time that the issue of sea level rise be addressed and addressed urgently. In this regard, Thailand wishes, Thailand wishes to highlight the following three points. First, as sea level rise has far-reaching implications for the international community as a whole, it is incumbent upon all of us, all of us here at the United Nations, to join hands in addressing and responding to the risk to prevent the world from falling into a situation of greater reversals in development gains and of greater risks of tensions or conflicts. Sea level rise impacts each and every one of us, threatens our sustainable development trajectories, and hampers our plans to create a sustainable future for the next generation. It is therefore a shared interest of each and every one of us to work together to avert further threats that could endanger international peace, security, and stability. Second, I wish to highlight a few examples of Thailand's efforts at the national level to achieve climate resilience and strengthen coping capacity of our local communities. Now, these include integrating adaptation into land use planning and development, promoting coping capacity of coastal communities, including in areas of prevention and surveillance of sea level rise and storm surges, installing surge barriers, planting mangrove forests, and devising storm surge evacuation plans to respond to climate change impacts. Now, there are more that could be done, and partnerships and cooperation would be very much essential to support these adaptation and mitigation efforts. A third, sea level rise also raises questions regarding its legal implications. In this regard, Thailand highly values the work of the International Law Commission on Sea Level Rise in relation to international law. We believe that this work of the ILC could be of much practical value 
to the international community, particularly given the fragmented existing international legal frameworks applicable to the protection of persons affected by climate change, including sea level rise. We recognize the urgency and importance of this work of the ILC and look forward to the ILC's presentation of its further study on all aspects concerning sea level rise in relation to international law, including on the subtopic of the law of the sea at the sixth committee meeting in the fall. To conclude, Mr. President, let me reiterate that sea level rise has far-reaching implications for the international community as a whole and that none of us are immune to its impacts. It is, however, still within our power to address the risks of sea level rise and minimize its impact if we do act now. Together, we have overcome many threats to international peace, security, and stability, and the many challenges to sustainable development, sustained growth, and human security in the past. So together, we can avert the potentially devastating implications of sea level rise. Let us work to make this happen. Thank you, Mr. President, and happy Valentine's Day to all. I thank the representative of Thailand for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of the Federated States of Micronesia. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Micronesia is honored to address this council on this important subject. I also want to recognize the contributions of a fellow Pacific Islander, Ms. Coral Pasisi, to this discussions today. Mr. President, at the outset, my delegation associates with the statements which will be delivered later today by Samoa on behalf of the Alliance of Small Island States, Tonga on behalf of the Pacific Island Forum, Palau on behalf of the Pacific Sids, and Nauru on behalf of the Group of Friends on Climate and Security. My delegation congratulates Malta on assuming the presidency of the Security Council and organizing the open today, uh, debate today. Mr. President, as stated in the Charter of the United Nations, the Security Council has the primary responsibility on behalf of the members of the General Assembly for the maintenance of international peace and security. This discharge of responsibility must, among other things, be in accordance with the principles and purposes of the United Nations. Two of those purposes are the development of friendly relations among nations based on the respect for the principle of equal rights and self-determination of peoples, and the achievement of international cooperation in solving international problems of an economic, social, cultural, or humanitarian character. In that regard, climate change-related sea level rise presents a challenge that the Security Council must be seized off. As others have noted today, such sea level rise poses a particularly acute threat to the overall peace and security of small island developing states like my own Micronesia. Given our relatively small land masses, population, and economies, or our geographical remoteness, and our deep cultural ties and reliance on our island homes, 
distressing, distressingly, and on a related note, there is a school of thought in international law and discourse that once sea level rise inundates the land territory of a state, then that state automatically ceases to exist and no longer enjoys statehood among the international community. In my delegation's view, that school of thought must be rejected by the Security Council, and we call on the Security Council to do so. It is deeply disruptive to the peace and security of a people and violative of the principles and purposes of the United Nations that I identified earlier. If the status of this people as a state is deemed by the international community to be extinguished by a phenomenon for which such people have minimal responsibility, if any. Such people will not have engaged in any act of self-determination that endorses that extinguishing and forcing such people to go along with the loss of a statehood is fundamentally contrary to the development of friendly relations among nations. Additionally, to the extent that the forced extinguishing of their statehood disrupts that people's access to economic, humanitarian, and other types of benefits, including rights and their entitlements flowing from maritime zones, it is fundamentally contrary to the achievement of international cooperation in addressing economic, humanitarian, and other international problems. In light of the foregoing, the Security Council must make clear in accordance with the duties of the Security Council and the principle and purposes of the United Nations that the loss of land territory to the climate change related sea level rise does not automatically translate to a loss of statehood enjoyed by the people of that territory. Along the same lines, my delegation calls on the members of this council and the General Assembly to support the initiative started by Fanuatu for the General Assembly to request an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice on climate change. As today's open debate indicates, sea level rise, like other adverse effects of climate change, raises major questions under international law that, in our view, the advisory opinion can be helpfully addressed. To conclude, Micronesia echoes the call by others for the appointment of a special representative for climate and security. Such a special representative can, among other things, strengthen the ability of the UN to understand and respond sensitively to all facets of the challenge of climate change related sea level rise, including the implications of such sea level rise for statehood and other matters of international law. I thank you, Mr. President. I thank the representative of the Federated States of Micronesia, and I now give the floor to the representative of the Dominican Republic.
Muchas gracias. Thank you very much, President. First of all, I would like to thank uh, Malta for convening this uh, open debate on the implications of uh, the rise of sea level for international peace and security, and uh, also for building on the Area Formula meeting organized in October 2021, which was uh, co-sponsored by my country, the Dominican Republic. The Dominican Republic aligns itself with the statement uh, delivered by Samoa on behalf of OSIS and on behalf of the group of friends on climate and security. The threats of climate change, the rising sea levels, are issues that uh, threaten the livelihoods of our people. They undermine peace and security as well as the prosperity and development of our countries. The rising sea levels brings with it other issues that threaten international peace and security. They increase uh, in uh, uh, coastal erosion, uh, salt water, and uh, other issues. And it also threatens coastal communities insofar as their food production and livestock breeding. They thus With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In danger, the uh, livelihoods and the loss of uh, rural communities, as well as agricultural produce, it also endangers the infrastructure of our countries and affects the town planning and the protection of our coastlines. President, in our region, in the Caribbean in particular, and especially the coastal region of uh, the Dominican Republic, we are losing land mass, and this uh, causes forced migration and displacement. It also causes demographic tension and social disruption. The consequences of rising sea levels could therefore endanger international cooperation and actually generate conflict. No region is exempt from being affected by the rising level of the sea. And this could increase uh, up to 30 centimeters by 2050 and actually endanger the very survival and existence of nations and some in the short term, which is the case of Kiribati, uh, which is one meter below sea level, uh, just one meter above sea level. This uh, rising sea levels is of between uh, 25 uh, and uh, 50 centimeters, which uh, could mean substantial uh, losses by 2050. This is a threat to our territory, even more so because we do not have the necessary resources to uh, address the challenges of the rising sea levels. We'd also therefore like to reiterate that we cannot review or update the baselines and external limits or geographical coordinates of our maritime zones as a consequence of climate change and rising sea levels, given that uh, developing uh, island states depend on our maritime areas. An attempt to change this is an inf 
infringement of uh, the peace and security of our countries. According to the Inter-American Development Bank, the cost of addressing climate change could cause losses estimated at $22 billion by 2050. This represents approximately 10% of the uh, current uh, Caribbean economy. Uh, our country is not a great emitter of greenhouse gases, but uh, nevertheless, uh, Dominican Republic is part of the SIDS exposed to these threats. According to studies and demographic data, Guyana, Haiti, and our country, the Dominican Republic, have the largest uh, populations living on low-lying land. As a country that is dependent on tourism, we cannot ignore the fact that we are exposed to these risks. The other risks that we are experiencing at the moment include the massive uh, arrival of uh, species. They are affecting our ability to uh, respond uh, to this, to the algae, the species of algae affecting our coastline. We need to get ahead of uh, developing a, a roadmap that will cover all of the implications of the rising sea levels, especially issues relating to sovereignty and maritime boundaries. We should use the tools that are available to us to combat climate change and its impact on international peace and security. In this way, the availability of resources to tackle this is the only way to ensure the sustainability of our economies. The Dominican Republic is part of the recently created uh, Loss and Damages Committee, which seeks to uh, set up a fund to address the damage and loss caused by climate change for the most vulnerable countries. This will allow us to work on the modalities for distribution of this fund and to ensure its uh, operationalization. We are also a member of the uh, preparatory committee for the SIDS summit, which will be held next year in our region, the Caribbean. President, I want to reiterate that the cost of inaction would be even greater for all countries if we do not act now. I thank you. Representative of the Dominican Republic for his statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Botswana. Mr. President, at the outset, let me congratulate and thank Malta's presidency of the Council and you personally for creating this timely opportunity for us to participate in today's open debate on the implications of sea level rise for international peace and security. Let me also thank the briefers this morning for their important insights. Botswana is definitely a landlocked country as well. While we do not face a direct threat from the sea level rise, we are impacted by other effects of climate change within and beyond our borders. We therefore have a keen and legitimate interest in this important debate. We are also here to express our solidarity with all communities in the coastal low-lying areas, the small island developing states, the seas, particularly the Pacific Islands countries, who through no fault of their own are increasingly facing a real existential threat
from sea level rise with peace and security ramifications. We thus welcome and fully support the Rising Nations Initiative, which was launched by the leaders of the Pacific Atoll countries last year, which aims to protect their statehood, preserve their sovereignty, and safeguard the rights and heritage of affected populations. Like the seeds and the Pacific Island countries, Africa contributes very little to global greenhouse gas emissions, yet we bear the greatest negative impacts. We are, however, determined to adapt to the consequences of global warming and prevent further loss and damage to our people, our environment, our economies, and our cultural heritage, while also preventing climate change-induced conflicts. Mr. President, in Africa, over the past years, we have witnessed how climate change-induced incidents, such as prolonged drought, flooding, cyclones, and storms, have intensified. Their frequency have brought hardship and devastation, including large-scale forced migration and displacement. Recent findings by the Africa Climate Mobility Initiative stress that the continent will see an increase in climate-forced migration and displacement over the coming decades, with internal displacement forecast to reach up to 113 million people by 2050. Our sub-region, Southern Africa, could also see an increase in cross-border mobility due to climate change impacts. We all know, Mr. President, that people have always moved to escape from harm and to adapt to changes in the environment. It is thus important that we keep our focus on mitigating the climatic factors that drive those movements and not regard people who move as a threat. That is why Botswana, under the leadership of His Excellency President Dr. Mukwetu Masisi, has undertaken to play a champion role on issues relating to climate mobility data and information. Building on the Africa Climate Mobility Initiative and working closely with the Global Center for Climate Mobility, we are embarking on a national deep dive process to identify climate risk hotspots and to develop a national blueprint for addressing climate mobility, pressing forward people-centered climate action. Indeed, it is critical that responses by our continent and elsewhere are based on the best available data and information, including state-of-the-art forecasting and modeling capabilities to better anticipate and protect ourselves against climate risks. Botswana is therefore committed to lead from the front by putting people at the core of our response to climate crisis. If we want to prevent further loss and damage from climate change, including negative impacts for peace and security, people and governments need to be able to better predict and prepare. Most people do not want to leave the places they call home, and they should not be forced to. In this connection, Mr. President, existing commitments for climate adaptation finance and ensuring universal access to early warning systems must be kept. Where there is no other option, we must help communities to move out of harm's way and direct investments towards areas of prospective settlement. 
regional organizations should also support joint forecasting and planning among their member states to address cross-border risks and harness opportunities associated with the movement and resettlement of people. As I conclude, Mr. President, I should note that even if we managed these difficult transitions well, uprooting people, their culture, and livelihoods involves a huge cost and also carries substantive risks for states and social cohesion. In the interest of climate justice, the onus is on those who bear the primary responsibility for the climate impacts and the international community as a whole to face these issues head on, including providing adequate financing to the most vulnerable countries and communities. We must all live up to our obligations and responsibilities for Africa and all communities in coastal law-lying areas, our brothers and sisters, especially in the seas and Pacific Island countries. It is imperative that we act urgently and today. I thank you very much for your attention. I thank the representative of Botswana for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Georgia. Thank you, Mr. President. At the outset, let me express our appreciation to the presidency of Malta for convening uh, the open debate on this important issue. I would also like to thank the Secretary General and the President of the General Assembly, as well as other panelists, for their comprehensive inputs. Georgia aligns itself with the statement of the European Union, and I would like to make following additional comments in my national capacity. Excellencies, the relationship between climate change and peace and security is complex. Unfortunately, climate change-related security risks have already become an everyday reality for many around the globe. According to the World Meteorological Organization's Provisional State of the Global Climate in 2022 report, Extreme headwaves, drought, and devastating flooding affected millions and cost billions last year. Rising the sea levels due to the global climate change increasingly put coastal and island communities under increased strain in some cases, threatening their very existence. Climate and weather extremes create risks of uncertainty and instability also at the regional and international levels increasingly, driving displacement in all regions with small island states disproportionately affected. Flood and drought-related acute food insecurity and malnutrition are on rise in many countries. What is even more worrisome, risks from the sea level rise for coastal ecosystems and people are very likely to increase tenfold. Well before the end of this century, without adaptation and mitigation action agreed by parties to the Paris Agreement. As tremendously growing climate security nexus is increasingly influencing the context of the global peace and security, addressing the climate-related consequences and future risks becomes a matter of global urgency and can be addressed only through joint and resolute action. We believe that addressing security impacts of climate change should be laid at the core of the Security Council's conflict prevention agenda and become a subject of in-depth analysis. In this context, we welcome the increased focus of the Security Council on the climate change issues by broadening discussions on the matter, incorporating climate security language into resolutions and establishing institutional architecture, such as the climate security mechanism, the group of friends on climate and security, and the informal expert group on members of the Security Council on climate and security to strengthen the Security Council's working agenda. 
We believe that assessment of climate-related security risks and responses to them should be further fed into the Council's work, including as a part of the UN's peacekeeping and peacebuilding activities. Excellencies, the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change and the Paris Agreement are the major international mechanisms to guide the global efforts in addressing the climate change. In this regard, Georgia as a party to the UNFCCC and the Paris Agreement has been committed to make its own contribution to international efforts in combating climate change. To underpin the Paris Agreement with concrete actions, the government of Georgia has submitted and updated nationally determined contributions to the UNFCCC. The new NDC has new targets, and as it is required by the uh, Paris Agreement to be more ambitious, we are also working on the long-term 2050 low emissions development strategy, which will plan long-term paths of Georgia for climate change mitigation. In conclusion, let me reaffirm Georgia's commitment to do its utmost towards reducing implications of the climate crisis for international peace and security. I thank you. I thank the representative of Georgia for their statements, and I now give the floor to the representative of Palau. Mr. President, I deliver this statement on behalf of the 12 Pacific Small Island Developing States. We align our statement with the statements made by Samoa on behalf of the Alliance of Small Island States and Tonga on behalf of the Pacific Island Forum. And we convey our gratitude to Malta for holding this debate on sea level rise and its implications for peace and security. Climate change is no longer a novel concept in the Council's discussions. It's been discussed in various forms since 2007. Rising seas create a multitude of issues for all coastal states. However, they are an existential threat to low-lying and atoll islands throughout the Pacific. The piece that's led on a novel resolution on climate change and security in the General Assembly, which was adopted in 2009. Rising sea levels have already flooded many of our coastlines and forced migration and displacement, and they've intruded on our water tables, creating water insecurity and affecting our ability to grow crops and live healthily. The risk of sea level rise to the Pacific Islands is such that many of us have taken severe measures to address it. In Kiribati, President Anote Tong introduced a migration with dignity strategy and purchased 5,500 acres in Fiji for supplemental food production to combat food insecurity and to provide a potential location to settle if sea level rise renders Kiribati uninhabitable. Likewise, fearing total inundation, the nation of Tuvalu has launched an initiative to upload a virtual version of their country into the metaverse as a means to preserve their country and culture. It sounds like science fiction, something we might see in a movie about some made disaster, but these are two real life examples that are happening today. But extreme measures aren't only happening in SIDS. In the United States, the Biden administration is paying three tribal communities in Alaska and Washington that have been severely impacted by the effects of climate change $75 million to relocate to higher ground. The main difference here is that we as small island developing states don't have the fiscal space and in some cases, physical landmass to take these extreme adaptation measures. However, we also want to note that our identities as Pacific Islanders are grounded in our countries. These are our homes and have been for thousands of years. Paying for relocation is not a solution that we can accept. We all need to do more to meet the goals of the Paris Agreement to limit warming to 1.5 degrees. 
Mr. President, we propose four actions that the Council might undertake to address the risks related to sea level rise. Number one, we reiterate our call for support as it relates to our maritime zones and the need to secure them, as well as the rights and entitlements that flow from them without reduction, even in the face of rising sea levels. This position is reflected in the PIF Declaration on Preserving Maritime Zones in the Face of Climate-Related Sea Level Rise and the AOSIS Leaders Declaration, which set out our position on how the rules on maritime zones under UNCLOS must apply in the situation of climate change-related sea level rise. Number two, we ask for support for the initiative spearheaded by Vanuatu and supported by the Pacific Islands for an advisory opinion of the International Court of Justice on the obligations of states in respect to climate change. Number three, we reiterate our call for a special representative of the, security, of the Secretary General on Climate Change and Security who would inform the future work of the Council and the Assembly. And finally, we invite the Council to come to the Pacific and see sea level rise firsthand and hear the stories of those impacted. We've said in previous debates that forced migration, displacement, food and water insecurity, and infrastructure damage are terms we often associate with war and conflict zones, but in the Pacific, it's climate change that's the root cause of these threats to peace. Mr. President, while SIDS are on the front line of this crisis, 149 out of 193 UN member states, 77% of the UN membership, are exposed to sea level rise. Currently, approximately 634 million people worldwide are at risk due to sea level rise, and a significant part of the world's population live in coastal areas. If we don't take steps to mitigate these risks, one can only imagine the enormity of the security issues we'll face. Thank you again, Mr. President, for convening this open debate. We call on Malta's leadership and all members of the Council to recognize the risks to peace and security associated with sea level rise and join with the Pacific to find meaningful, proactive, and effective solutions with urgency. Thank you. I thank the representative of Palau for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Latvia. Mr. President, Latvia thanks Malta for organizing this important meeting for global climate action. We thank the briefers for their insightful presentations. Latvia aligns itself with the statement by the European Union. We often speak of the next generations that will suffer greatly from climate change. But we have to listen to science here. It might be our generation first that needs saving, and, it might be sooner, and that might be sooner than we expected. Latvia, too, has identified sea level rise as a significant threat in the national plan for adaptation to climate change until 2020, adopted in 2019. With climate change impacts increasing in occurrence and strength, such adaptation plans and measures will determine the resilience of countries and communities. It is necessary to urgently develop, update, and implement adaptation strategies that are holistic and based on the best available science. International cooperation has a crucial role to play in climate action. In the Baltic region, we play, pay special attention to regional cooperation, for instance, within the Council of the Baltic Sea States. On a global scale, we fully support the ongoing work under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change in scaling up climate action and enhancing the resilience of countries on the front lines of climate crisis and facing existential threats of sea level rise. In this regard, we look forward to the forthcoming report on the on multidimensional vulnerability index. We also look forward to the fourth international conference of small island developing states 
in its preparatory process. It could also provide the opportunity to reflect on the topics from the sustainable development perspective. Latvia has put forward its candidacy to the Bureau of the Preparatory Committee and stands ready to contribute to the process. Latvia is closely following the work of the International Law Commission's study group on the sea level rise in relation to international law and has reflected upon and provided its reactions during the General Assembly Six Committee early discussions on the ILC report. Sea level rise poses significant questions about the suitability of established concepts and institutions of international law of the sea, law of human rights, and law of statehood for addressing the interests of spe specially affected actors. While the framing of these actions may be new, international law is not unfamiliar with the phenomenon of legally recognized and existing states within limits, within, with limited factual control over territory. And the historical experience of Baltic states provide us with an informed perspective and sympathy for the arguments of effective states. Latvia is also looking forward to reading the materials of the third issue paper of the study group and its discussions by the ILC later this year. With respect to the le legal implications of civil rights, we believe that the international courts and tribunals play an important role in clarifying the applicable rules that guide the conduct of states and other actors in dealing with the causes and implications of climate crisis. Thus, we express our appreciation of the historical Vanuatu initiative to request an advisory opinion on climate change from the International Court of Justice, as well as the request of an advisory opinion submitted to the International Tribunal for the Law of the Seas by the Commission of the Small Island States on Climate Change and International Law. Latvia will consider involvement in these advisory proceedings to contribute to the development of international law. It is important that the UN Security Council demonstrates full flexibility to embrace the existing climate challenges and ensures the impact of sea level rise is considered in a cross-cutting manner in the Council's work and the activities. It mandates that would also allow the access in the to the particular threat of the sea level rise. We regret that the historical draft resolution framing the problem of climate change as a threat to international peace and security, co-sponsored by a majority of the UN membership, failed to be adopted in 2021 due to a veto by a permanent member. In conclusion, ambitious and urgent climate mitigation action remains the crucial element for managing the climate risks and limiting sea level rise. Latvia is strongly committed to fulfill its climate targets and achieve climate neutrality by 2050. Additionally, Currently, we are working on implementation of more ambitious 2030 greenhouse gas emissions targets. Latvia encourages all countries to commit to more ambitious climate targets in their new and updated national determined contributions before COP28. Latvia has contributed recently to UNDP's climate promise that help countries reach their climate goals. Mr. President, as we continue to respond to the crises unfolding across the world, we must ensure that we build back better and greener for a sustainable, climate-resilient and peaceful future. I thank you. I thank the representative of Latvia for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Canada. President, we congratulate Malta for its presidency of the Security Council and for selecting such an important topic for an open debate. We'd also like to thank our briefers today. Canada aligns itself with the statement to be delivered by Nauru on behalf of the Group of Friends on Climate and Security. 
Sea level rise is already threatening the lives and livelihoods of the 40% of humanity that live in coastal communities. Additionally, as we speak, more than half a billion people around the globe live in low-lying areas most at risk of intense flooding events and erosion. Sea level rise is an urgent and an existential threat for the citizens of small island states. For decades, they've been raising the alarm about the threats climate change poses to all of us. We have also seen that the impacts of climate change and sea level rise disproportionately impact women, girls, and indigenous and other historically disadvantaged, marginalized communities. Lived experience and ideas for innovative solutions need to be at the center of our efforts. It has to be done hand in hand with an active commitment to support the meaningful participation of those most impacted in order to significantly address climate change and sea level rise. The Rising Nations Initiative, as launched by Tuvalu and the Marshall Islands, is an example of such positive action. We need to listen carefully and to take action. Canada is actively working in collaboration with international partners to foster resilience, especially in the most vulnerable areas. Such efforts cover the different stages of the consequences of rising sea levels, from helping to prevent, mitigate, as well as adapt to changes. This includes ongoing financial and technical support to several initiatives. The Canada-Caribbean Resilience Facility, a multi-donor partnership administered by the World Bank to strengthen Caribbean states' resilience and ability to build back better in the wake of natural disasters. The CARICOM Climate Adaptation Fund, which contributes to insulating Caribbean community member states from disaster risks. The Ocean Risk and Resilience Alliance, a multi-stakeholder alliance investing in coastal resilience with a focus on the Global South. And lastly, the Pacific Catastrophe Risk Assessment and Financing Initiative, providing Pacific Island countries with disaster risk modeling and assessment tools. Well, today we focus specifically on the effects of sea level rise on international peace and security. We understand too that the wider phenomenon of climate change is a threat multiplier for insecurity and conflict. Canada is also establishing a NATO climate change and security center of excellence, working closely with our allies and partners and with multi-sectoral stakeholders. The new Center of Excellence will help to identify and address the range and complexity of security risks posed by climate change. And we will continue to look for opportunities to do more. As with other climate change related threats, Sea level rise is a global, multi-generational challenge. We must all do our part to help address sea level rise and take action together now to prevent, mitigate and adapt to its impacts. At the same time, we must also raise awareness of and work to directly address
the implications for international peace and security from climate change and sea level rise. The United Nations Security Council must play a central role in such efforts. Thank you. The representative of Canada for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Ireland. Thank you, Mr. President, and I want to thank Malta for convening this very, very important debate. I'd also like to thank the Secretary-General, the President of the General Assembly, and all of today's briefers for their excellent presentations. Climate change is one of the defining challenges of our time. Its catastrophic consequences are multifaceted and global. It threatens lives and livelihoods and drives displacement. Climate change is a risk multiplier that contributes to conflict and insecurity. It disproportionately impacts women and girls, people living with disabilities, and marginalized groups. The science is clear. A series of IPCC reports have starkly outlined what the future holds if we do not act urgently. Climate change is an issue that the entire multilateral system must address to mitigate and adapt to this crisis. Deepening the Security Council's understanding of the link between climate change and international peace and security was a key priority for Ireland during our recent term, and we will continue to draw attention to this connection at the UN. While we were naturally disappointed with the use of a solitary veto blocking the adoption of the Ireland and Niger-led resolution on climate and security, it is clear that there is huge support for this agenda from all across the UN. It is essential that the Security Council uses the tools it has at its disposal to address this in delivering on its mandate. Mr. President, as we have heard today, over 600 million people live in low-lying coastal areas. They will be directly affected by sea level rise, with many more impacted through the displacement of people, food insecurity, and the lack of access to resources. As with so many of the critical issues we discuss at the UN, the impact of sea level rise will be disproportionately felt by people in low-lying areas and developing countries, particularly in small island developing states. As an island state, Ireland is very aware of the urgency of the level of sea level rise. We have worked with our CIS partners to build resilience and amplify their voice in important multilateral fora. We are acutely aware of the need to address the specific vulnerabilities of SIDS. This is recognised in the 2030 Agenda, and a further important step will be to ensure that the international financial institutions are also able to take account of this deep vulnerability. Legal aspects of the impact of sea level rise are also crucial. Further study of this area in relation to international law is timely in light of the various unprecedented environmental challenges particularly facing low-lying states and small island states. Ireland very much welcomes that this topic is currently on the International Law Commission's agenda. We will continue to engage on issues related to law of the sea, to statehood, and issues related to, to the protection of persons affected by sea level rise. The IALC's work can play a role in examining important legal questions relevant to the challenges posed by sea level rise. As other speakers have noted today, in addressing the consequences of sea level rise, the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea will clearly be a key consideration in any response. In this regard, Ireland reaffirms the universal and unified character of that convention, which sets out the legal framework within which all activities in the oceans and seas must be carried out. To conclude, 
Ireland wishes to stress again the importance of the Security Council addressing how climate change is affecting its ability to deliver on its mandate. Action now to deepen our understanding of how climate change is impacting on insecurity and con on conflict is essential if we are able to respond effectively. Thank you. I thank the representative of Ireland for their statement, and I now give the floor to Mr. Odd Radar Humlegard, Special Representative of Interpol to the United Nations. Mr. President, hear me? Yeah. Mr. President, Excellencies, it's my pleasure to address the Security Council on an issue of central importance to global security. In the last years, extreme weather events caused widespread destruction, killed thousands and displayed uh, millions. To quote UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres in his statement at the COP27 in Sharm el Sheikh, climate chaos is a crisis of biblical proportions. The signs are everywhere. Millions of people live in vulnerable contexts with low-lying island nations and coastal regions at risk of land loss. The immediate impacts may differ across regions and disproportionately strike the most vulnerable, but the climate crisis affects all of us. The climate crisis is indeed a threat multiplier. Rising sea levels leading to resource scarcity and organized criminal groups exploiting these for profit. Climate-induced migration flows raising the demand for people smuggling services and increased frequency of natural disasters, aggravating local grievances and feeding conflict, terrorism, fragility and instability. Mr. President, Excellencies, there is no one country or organization that could alone mitigate the implications of climate risks. Even so, law enforcement pays, plays a crucial role in our collective response measures. Indeed, the global law enforcement community is at the front lines of protecting communities and combating the criminal networks who exploit and fuel natural disasters to their advantage. Interpol's Environmental Security Program and Vulnerable Communities Program have long been assisting over 195 member countries in, taking, in tackling the climate security nexus. Furthermore, effective international law enforcement cooperation will contribute to the achievement of the Sustainable Development Goals and Interpol's complementary seven global policing goals. For example, Interpol Global Policing Goal number three addresses the protection of vulnerable communities. Global Policing Goals number seven on environmental security and sustainability supports the implementation of 11 sustainable development goals, including SDG 13 on climate action. Mr. President, Excellencies, let us harness the Sustainable Development Goals and the Global Policing Goals to work together to strengthen our capacity to investigate environmental crime, to protect resource-dependent communities, to build mechanisms to protect biodiversity and natural resources, to disrupt organized crime networks and the profit element. Let this be the year of strengthened cooperation and reviewed, renewed ambitions to secure a sustainable future for the next generations to come.
I thank you for his statement. And I now give the floor to the representative of Kiribati. President, Excellencies, distinguished delegates, I would like to thank you, Mr. President, for convening this open debate, and we commend you for the theme you have chosen. Kiribati welcomes the opportunity to provide its perspectives on sea level rise implications for international peace and security. There is no doubt that our world is today experiencing the most significant changes in sea levels and climate extremes, so much so that even a marginal increase in sea level rise places the most vulnerable, particularly low-lying highlands and coastal communities at immediate risk. In Kiribati, sea level rise, extreme weather events, increases in annual and seasonal temperatures and changes in precipitation patterns are some of the impacts of climate change that are constantly observed. No part of Kiribati's land rises more than three meters above sea level. With the changes in our climate system and with sea level rise, our highlands are facing major and ongoing challenges. Besides eroding coastlines, food crops have been destroyed and the freshwater lands our source of our drinking water, contaminated by the intruding seawater. While it is understood that sea level rise affects every member state, what's often misunderstood is the discrepancy in its impact affecting the most vulnerable low-lying highland nations, such as my country, Kiribati, and why urgent and effective mitigation and adaptation strategies stand as our only chance to address the risk posed by sea level rise. Rising seas and climate change remain the most destructive force against, acting against not only the government's efforts to improving the well-being of its rising population, but also people's meaningful participation in our economy and in promoting peace. Kiribati appreciates the Council's recognition of the importance of promoting climate adaptation and resilience through peace building and climate financing. Similarly, the call on developed countries to double their provisions on climate finance to developing countries for adaptation from 2019 levels by 2025 is an in initiative worth considering and particularly important to strengthen resilience measures for small highland developing states and other developing countries with low-lying coastal areas. To this end, we recommend that our partners and whole members of the international community enhance our collective efforts in mobilizing support and increasing investments on climate change. In this regard, the Security Council should invite non-council members to brief them about the current situations in the most vulnerable regions, including the Pacific. Kiribati recognizes the risk that climate change and sea level rise poses on maritime boundaries, and we believe that such a risk may undermine our territorial integrity in the future if the international, if the international laws remain immobile with dynamic changes. Kiribati believes that once, delim once 
the limitation of our maritime pantry is completed and submitted to the United Nations Secretary General in accordance with U UN clause, maritime pantries would remain permanent and our baseline shall not be affected by climate change until sea level rise. The magnitude of the threat of sea level rise and its consequential implications warrant a holistic approach that builds synergies among relevant stakeholders, be it national governments, regional organizations, and local actors at the national level. National and local actors are fundamental to achieving real impact on the ground and improving resilience in the face of climate change. We need to listen to the experiences in implementing solutions, account and integrate traditional knowledge systems and solutions. We need to mobilize action where progress has been limited. There is also a need for support and to strengthen preparedness and early warning initiatives. Improving data gathering and monitoring on climate and sea level risks are key elements of adaptation. Forging an increased recognition of social implications of climate change through social safeguards is essential. We must provide provisions for access to justice for victims of climate change under the international law as well. KIDBES is fully committed through its vision for 20 years to building the resilience and adaptive capacity of its people. The 20-year-old plan um, initiated under the president and the government of today advocates self-development and establishment of innovative strategic partnership to sustainably transform despite international discourses describing our future as one sinking island. The KV-20, our Kiribati KV-20, encourages um, the people of Kiribati to embrace development challenges, including climate change, and turn them into opportunities. And this is why we join, we therefore join like-minded states to call for the immediate recognition of climate change and its social security and humanitarian implications under international law. Kiribati also believes that peace needs to exist in homes and communities first before it can be extended on a wider scale. And this includes the protection and well-being of our families, women, and children. Thus, Kiribati strongly believes that the international community, including the Security Council, must invest in women and girls to help alleviate the effects of sea level rise on sustainable peace. They have always done multiple assets. In this respect, we need to advance gender responsiveness in climate processes by ensuring that global knowledge is shared and provide platforms for both intergovernmental agencies and NGOs to brief the Council on gender responsive resilience policies. Therefore, the Security Council should consider a resolution that takes into account both the security implications of climate change, similar to the resolution proposed in 2021 and the foundations of resolution in 1325. I thank you. I thank the representative of Kiribati for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Samoa. Mr. President, 
I am pleased to deliver this statement on behalf of members of AOSIS, the 39 small island development states that are specially affected by the multiple and intersecting effects of climate change. We thank the Malta Presidency for convening this very important discussion. We recognize that it builds upon the work done by many in this council on the issues of climate change. There is a litany of new examples of the sudden and slow onset impact of climate change on small, on small islands, from king tides to super hurricanes to the unstoppable and unprecedented rise in sea level. In the interest of time, we will not recite them here, not because they are not important, but rather, Mr. President, because it is essential that we talk less and take more action to prevent and minimize the impact of climate change moving forward. Turning to the question you propose, Mr. President, we would like to comment on a few of them. The impact on suits of climate change is already and will continue to be extraordinary. Our small land masses, population, economies, and our remoteness mean that we have greater exposure to external economic and environmental shocks. Climate change will, without doubt, pose existential threat to our way of life, potential even to our economies and communities. But to be clear, sea level rise resulting from anthropogenic climate change does not have an effect on our statehood or sovereignty. Mr. President, we recall the AOSIS Leaders Declaration of September 2021. In that declaration, our leaders affirm that there is no legal obligation under UNCLOS to keep baseline and outer limits of maritime zones under review, nor to update charts or list of geographic coordinates once deposited with the Secretary General, and that such maritime zone and the rights and entitlement that flow from them shall continue to apply without reduction, notwithstanding any physical changes connected to climate change-related sea level rise. We are heartened to see that other states, including some of the largest coastal states, have adopted a similar understanding of international law, recognizing the need to ensure legal stability security, certainty, and predictability. On the issue of statehood, we think that the past two centuries of state practices are abundantly clear. The Montevideo Convention on the Rights and Duties of State is not relevant to the question of continuation of statehood. Rather, there is a fundamental presumption of the continuation of statehood, statehood 
in international law. It would be inequitable and unjust to now suggest that in the context of rising sea levels, we should strictly apply criteria developed in a regional agreement signed almost a century ago and ratified by 16 countries. Such criteria, in our view, do not apply to the continuation of states. We note that the potential loss of land territory by small islands because of sea level rise is not a natural phenomenon, but rather is anthropogenic in course. To make an analogy, our land territory is being invaded because of the action or inaction of other states. To now deprive us of our sovereignty is contrary to a century of state practice and our interpretation of the relevant law in this situation. Mr. President, it is as well an unacceptable application of power by larger states, contrary to the principle of self-determination. It is our view that once a state is created by a people expressing their right to self-determination through statehood, that statehood will cease only if another form of expression of the right to self-determination is explicitly sought and exercised by that people. This is the only determinant of whether a state continues. Mr. Pre Mr. President, the protection of persons in the face of sea level rise is a global challenge that requires meaningful interstate cooperation. This cooperation is not only a policy imperative, it is a legal obligation for every state. While cooperation is a legal obligation, it is also a matter of equity. AOSIS members are among the lowest emitters of greenhouse gases that drive climate change and sea level rise. Yet, we face some of the most severe consequences of rising sea levels. To expect small island states to shoulder the burden of sea level rise without assistance from the international community will be the pinnacle of inequity. Mr. President, more needs to be done. We attach great importance to discussion on the urgent need to fulfill international commitment, including on climate change and finance. We want to note, however, that the UNFCCC should remain the primary forum for discussion on climate change. I again thank the Council President and the Government of Malta for convening the, this timely discussion. We look forward to continued collaborative discussion on how we confront this global scourge. I thank you. I thank the representative of Samoa for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of the Marshall Islands. Mr. President, Excellencies, Brevers, as a low-lying Atoll Island nation, I want to first Congratulate Malta, a dear fellow island nation, on assuming the presidency of the council, and extend our 
appreciation for convening this important and critical debate. We have repeatedly outlined not only the security implication of sea level rise, but also action pathways well within the Council's mandate. This include addressing traditional security benchmark, forced displacement, and resettlement between population and overall fragility, as well as unpacking complex issues over resilience and sovereignty itself. For atoll, low-lying island nation like my own, these are not sudden issues. We have considered these security implications since the earliest climate policy discussions. The Security Council must spare no effort in seeking to build upon its presidential statement of 20 July 2011, in which the Council expressed, and I quote, concern that possible, possible security implication of loss of territory of some states caused by sea level rise may arise, in particular in small-lying, low-lying island states, end of quote. Where the Council does not speak further, individual members can and must act. Many of the needed tools are already in front of the Council, and more focused action from the international system can be invited. What is needed most is the political will to start the job, supported by a UN special representative. Mr. President, I would like to offer the Council the following three points. First, take note of the ongoing action by, by taken by the Marshall Islands and in concert with action of Forum Island members regarding geo-reference maritime boundaries. These boundaries are intended to preserve both stability and the legal divination of our unique regional characteristic, including our Pacific waters. Our own territorial integrity and sovereignty remain defined as state practice, even as we face severe threat, including sea level rise. Second, address the importance of security and common state fertility in our Oceania region and encourage the UN system, including the Peace Building Fund, to strengthen engagement in supporting national structures for security, including climate dimensions, as well as to spur further local community engagement. The international system can invite and encourage further collective action between low-lying atoll nations within regions and between sites in, re in this regard. Third, identify the scale of resilience and adaptation actions, including large-scale interventions needed to reduce security risk from sea level rise inundation. As a practical matter, the Council can examine at least a baseline assessment and if those actions are being taken adequately. Or why not? Mr. President, just because the questions are tough or the nation concerns are remote and small is no reason for the Council to fail to take action, adequate action, particularly regarding a region which is now realizing wider geostrategic engagement. I thank you, Mr. President, for this opportunity.
I thank the representative of the Marshall Islands for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Kenya. Uh, Mr. President, Kenya's delegation congratulates Malta on its assumption to the presidency of the Security Council during the month of February and for convening this debate on a matter of utmost urgency and importance. The rising sea levels due to climate change presents a real threat to the state sovereignty and the very existence of nations, particularly small island developing states. It is already creating environmental refugees, worsening socioeconomic crisis, destroying coastal infrastructure, and generally creating or exacerbating conditions for conflict. Clearly, any inaction and lack of ambition in addressing this global crisis will be extremely costly. We must marshal and direct all resources, human, institutional, and financial, to a multi-sectoral, multi-pronged, and an all-multilateral system approach climate action. And this council must be on board. In this connection, and as an affected coastal state, Kenya underscores the following four imperatives. One, as the leading multilateral actor in the maintenance of international peace and security, the Security Council can shine an important light on sea level rise and its implications for conflict. At a minimum, this will encourage all stakeholders to act with more urgency and ambition as the issue rises in the list of global priorities. Second, the Security Council must recognize the climate, peace, and security nexus. And in so doing, it can incorporate climate adaptation and mitigation measures in all its work, including peacekeeping and special political mandates, and ensure their faithful implementation. Third, we must build upon the work of the United Nations Environment Program, which is the center of environmental multilateralism. We need to tap into UNEP's work across the fields of science, policy, and technology to better coordinate our collective action for climate resilience and green economies. Fourth, ultimately, to slow down the sea level rise, all, and especially industrialized countries, must drastically reduce their greenhouse gas emissions to achieve their Paris Agreement targets. They must also, in line with their commitments, provide support to developing countries, including small island developing states, to build their resilience and adaptation in the face of the climate crisis. I thank you for your attention. I thank the representative of Kenya for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Italy. Mr. President, uh, I would like to thank uh, Malta for convening this debate uh, and the Secretary General, the President of the General Assembly, Minister Orescu, and Director Pazisi for their interventions. Italy aligns with the statement to be delivered by the European Union and with that to be delivered by Nauru on behalf of the Group of Friends on Climate and Security. Mr. President, today's debate 
gives us the opportunity to point out why sea level rise represents a threat to the international peace and security, enabling us to define a common strategy for this specific aspect of the climate security nexus. We need to raise awareness on the existential threat posed by sea level rise, which can lead to permanent submergence of land and the disappearance of entire coastal areas across the world. Extreme sea levels are also causing more frequent flooding, loss of ecosystems and salinization of soils. As a direct consequence, the very survival of many small islands developing states is at risk, while other climate vulnerable countries are experiencing damages to their infrastructures and losses for their industries. Poverty, food insecurity, resource scarcity, displacement and migration are also linked to sea level rise in many coastal areas. These factors combined are key drivers of conflict and a threat multiplier, endangering peace and security not only in the most affected states, but also at the regional and global levels. We therefore believe that every organ of the United Nations through coordinated multilateral action should address the adverse implications of climate change. This would benefit both member states and regional organizations in stepping up climate action in order to fulfill international commitments. By the same token, the Security Council should tackle ensuring security implications such as those caused by sea level rise. Mitigation and adaptation should be further integrated into the formulation of mandates for UN peacekeeping missions. Italy, as the co-chair of the Group of Friends on Leading on Environmental Management in the Field, together with Bangladesh, is engaged in shaping solutions that can allow peace operations to perform in a sustainable way. Financial support is also critical. In this regard, we welcome the investments of the United Nations Secretary General's Peace Building Fund in supporting of building and sustaining peace in relation to climate change effects. We should also continue to address the legal implications of the rise in sea level. Italy commends the study group of the International Law Commission for its work while recalling the centrality of the legal framework enshrined in the United Nations Convention on the law of the sea. In concluding, Mr. President, it is our hope that the Security Council will continue to address the threats posed by sea level rise. I thank you. I thank the representative of Italy for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Tonga. Mr. President, Excellencies, distinguished panelists, ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to join you all today for this important event. I am pleased to provide these remarks on behalf of the member states of the Pacific Islands Forum with a presence at the United Nations. We continue to endorse this open debate with a focus on the implications of sea level rise to international peace and security, a topic well suited to the primary responsibility of the UN Security Council being the, main, being the maintenance of international peace and security. Excellencies, climate change remains the single greatest existential threat facing the Blue Pacific. And in 2022, Pacific leaders declared a climate emergency in our region. 
Indeed, climate change-related sea level rise is a threat multiplier for our people on many levels. The international community will need to address important questions, including relation to statehood, maritime zones, rights, and entitlements. To safeguard international peace and security in the face of climate change-related sea level rise, a major step that must be taken is the preservation and maintenance of our maritime zones, established in accordance with the 1982 UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. Through their groundbreaking declaration on preserving maritime zones in the face of climate change-related sea level rise, Pacific leaders reaffirm the threats of climate change and sea level rise as the defining issue that imperils the livelihoods and well-being of our peoples and undermines the full realization of a peaceful, secure, and sustainable future for our region. Leaders proclaim that our maritime zones and the rights and entitlements that flow from them shall continue to apply without reductions, notwithstanding any physical changes connected to climate change-related sea level rise. The declaration emphasizes the primacy and centrality of the UNCLOS, which itself was adopted as an important contribution to the maintenance of peace, justice, and progress for all peoples. Importantly, the declaration is also rooted in the principles of legal stability, security, certainty, and predictability that underpin the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. We welcome statements from states and organizations endorsing the declaration, and we extend the call once again to the international community to join the Pacific Leaders Forum Declaration on Preserving Maritime Zones in the face of climate change-related sea level rise. Further, we strongly support and endorse the work of the International Law Commission in its current study of the topic sea level rise in relation to international law. From the 27th to the 30th of March 2023, that is next month, our region will assemble to unpack complex legal issues and implications posed by sea level rise to statehood and protection of persons affected by sea level rise. This is our region's concerted efforts to contribute meaningfully to the important work of the IOC second issues paper, as the issues addressed are of critical importance to the future of our people facing the growing threats to their well-being, safety, and security posed by increasing sea level rise. Excellencies, we welcome the Security Council supporting these efforts and taking concrete measures as relevant. We stand ready to provide the necessary support, including through information sharing on matters raised today. In this respect, we reiterate our call for a special representative of the Secretary General on Climate Change and Security, who would inform the work of the Security Council and the General Assembly. I thank you. Maropito. I thank the representative of Tonga for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Papua New Guinea. Mr. President, Excellencies, colleagues, all protocol observed. We pay special tribute to Malta's February presidency signature event today, which is timely and most needed, and also thank the prefers. The Council's engagement on this 
topical issue is welcomed and further encouraged. Mr. President, sea level rise is an important, is an impact of global warming caused by human-induced greenhouse gas pollution of the Earth's atmosphere. The science is clear, as highlighted by the 2022 IPCC report, which in part notes that some coastal communities in the tropics have lost entire coral reef ecosystems that once helped sustain their food security and livelihoods. Others have been forced to leave low-lying neighborhoods and cultural sites as sea level rises. The significant adverse effects on lives and livelihoods in coastal and island communities posed by sea level rise include coastal erosion, salt water contamination of the soil and drinking water, more powerful storm surges, extensive flooding, uninhabitable land, and the dislocation and displacement of coastal peoples and communities. In my own country, Papua New Guinea, the ominous march of the rising sea level in our outer small islands and coastal communities continues to worsen and is a serious concern. Low-lying Pacific Atoll nations are at grave existential risk to the rising sea level rise. Sea level rise is also a potential trigger for conflicts and tensions between displaced and dislocated persons and their new communities over the use of limited resources. That is why we have prioritized our original efforts to address it now going forward. Mr. President, our lived reality is that the rising sea levels poses a serious threat to our sustainable development security and well-being. For communities and countries, the result of sea level rise is devastating and oftentimes irreversible. These losses and damages will only increase as global temperature continues to rise. That is why we urge this Council to effectively address non-traditional security issues such as this. The Council's preventive role as provided for in the UN Charter Article 1.1 is instructive. The Council must not wait until it is too late to act on issues that have serious implications for international peace and security such as sea level rise and the climate security nexus. We therefore strongly support the International Law Commission's ongoing work on addressing sea level rise in relation to international law. The Security Council can do well by drawing from the ILC's important work. Mr. President, a key concern for Papua New Guinea and the Pacific region is the importance of the protection of persons displaced by sea level rise. The duty of international cooperation which is well recognized in international law, must be operationalized to address this human rights and humanitarian issue. Another crucial but related issue for us relates to maritime zones under UNCLOS. We therefore join the call for attention to the Pacific Islands Forum's declaration on preserving maritime zones in the face of climate change-related sea level rise issues by our leaders in August 2021 with specific seats 
and Pacific Forum chair spoke about. And that has serious implication posed by sea level rises on the fundamental issue of sovereignty, particularly for countries that may in future be submerged by the ocean. We strongly believe that existing statehood cannot be extinguished by sea level rise as a matter of international law. This cannot be taken for granted. Mr. President, noting the nexus, nexus between sea level rise and climate change and their security implications for global peace and security, we urge council members to be proactive based on evidence and science to better account for today's realities whilst respecting their mandate as provided for under the UN Charter. We also call on those council members who continue to question the nexus between climate change and security to be realistic about the perils climate change poses to international peace and security. In Papua New Guinea's view, the Security Council, which has primary responsibility for the maintenance of international peace and security, has an important role to play in the climate security nexus. Before closing, Mr. President, we join others in reiterating the call for the appointment of a special representative on climate and security. The special representative can serve as a focal point for climate security nexus in the United Nations system. Finally, in closing, I associate this statement with a statement made by Samoa on behalf of SITS and the statement made by Tonga on behalf of the Pacific Islands Forum, and I thank you. I thank the representative of Papua New Guinea for their statement, and I now give the floor to His Excellency, Mr. Silvio Gonzato, Charger the Fair ad Interim at the Delegation of the European Union to the United Nations. Thank you, President. I have the honor to speak on behalf of the EU and its member states. The full statement will be submitted in writing. The candidate countries, North Macedonia, Montenegro, Serbia, Albania, Ukraine, the Republic of Moldova and Bosnia-Herzegovina, and the potential candidate country, Georgia, align themselves with this statement. President, climate change with sea level rise being a direct consequence thereof is a core driver of conflict and a risk multiplier. As explained by previous speakers, sea level rise poses substantial threats to many coastal states, including small islands developing states. For this reason, we would like to thank Malta for further advancing the importance of the climate security nexus on the agenda of the UN Security Council. And we also thank the Secretary General, the PGA, and other briefers for their insights. To minimize these threats, a joint-up approach of the international community as a whole is necessary. It is important to adopt a whole-of-society approach as well that includes all stakeholders, especially women and youth. And partnerships with regional and sub-regional organizations are equally important in this regard. It is timely and urgent that the, United, the UN Security Council takes up its role in addressing the adverse effects of climate change on peace and security. It should also systematically integrate climate-related security issues where appropriate in its resolutions and continue to work towards a comprehensive approach to tackle the security concerns of climate change, including through reconsidering a resolution on climate change and security. Moreover, it should consider the creation of a special representative on climate and security. We acknowledge that UN climate and security mechanism contributes to enhance coordination, integrated analysis, and education within the UN system. The establishment of the informal expert group on climate and security is also an important tool that can help the Security Council react to the threats of climate change. 
We further welcome the Secretary-General's announcement on early warning systems. In this regard, the Climate Risk and Early Warning Systems Initiative saves lives, assets and livelihoods through increased access to early weather warnings and risk information for people in least developed countries and small island developing states. The International Law Commission is currently examining the topic of sea level rise in relation to international law in three main areas, law of the sea, statehood and protection of persons affected by sea level rise, statehood, sorry, and protection of persons affected by sea level rise. We stand ready to support this process. Any responses to the consequences of this slow onset phenomenon should ensure preserving stability and security in international relations, including legal stability and security. In accordance with the Commission's mandate, they need to be in line with and respect the legal framework established by UNCLOS that reflects customary international law. UNCLOS sets out the legal framework within all activities in the oceans and seas must be carried out and establishes mandatory mechanisms for the peaceful settlement, settlement of disputes. President, the EU has an integrated approach to climate change and security in its external action, including through crisis responses and conflict management. As the, world is, as the world's biggest contributor of climate finance and a major humanitarian donor, we support disaster risk reduction, anticipatory action, adaptation and mitigation efforts. For example, through the Global Facility for Disaster Reduction and Recovery, we support more than 140 programs by African, Caribbean and Pacific states and regional institutions to implement disasters, disaster risk reduction activities. As the current chair of the Platform on Disaster Displacement, we aim to strengthen efforts to address the challenge of population displacement prompted, prompted by disasters, climate change and environmental degradation. With the EU Global Climate Change Alliance Plus initiative, we have funded more than 80 adaptation programs in Africa, Asia, Caribbean and the Pacific. And finally, we supported the establishment of the new funding arrangements responding to loss and damage at the UNFCCC COP27. I thank you. I thank His Excellency Mr. Gonzato for his statement and I now give the floor to the representative of Antigua and Barbuda. Mr. President, I have the honor to deliver this statement on behalf of the 14 member states of the Caribbean community, CARICOM, for whom sea level rise pose an existential threat. Excellencies, peace and security in the Caribbean region is progressively being decimated by sea level rise. Our economic viability, health, well-being and cultural and social way of life and all under are on all under threat as are the development gains achieved over the years historically sea level rise was merely seen as one of the main effective effects of climate change dating back to the early years of the climate negotiations Today, however, the absence of concrete collective action on climate change has made sea level rise a devastating and crippling reality for many of our countries. The flat, low-lying topography and porous limestone bedrock and the Caribbean basement 
make our region especially vulnerable to sea level rise. With the best available science predicting a very grim reality in the not too distant future. The retreating, the retreating of uh, our coastline affects vital ecosystem, ecosystems and biodiversity, as well as the, live, the lives, livelihoods, and communities that really that rely on them. The effects of sea level rise globally can therefore exacerbate the vulnerability of populations, especially those already in situation of armed conflict, violence, and all fragility and whose capacity to cope with climate stocks and change is limited. Excellencies, the lead, this leads us to the ongoing international debate on sea level rise in relation to the law of the sea, statehood, and protection of persons. Caracom aligns with the AOSIS position that one, on law of the sea, there is no obligation under the United Nations Convention on the law of the sea to keep baseline and outer limits of marine time zones under review, nor to update charts or lists of geographical coordinates once deposited with the Secretary General of the United Nations. Moreover, such marine time zones and their rights and entitlements that flow from them shall continue to apply without reduction, notwithstanding any physical changes connected to climate change-related sea level rise. Two, on statehood, there is a fundamental presumption of the continuation of statehood in international law. The potential loss of land territory by small islands because of sea level rise is not a natural phenomenon, but rather is a anthropogenic, anthropogenic. Therefore, sea level rise does not affect our people's ability to express their rights to self-determination through statehood. That would be grossly inequitable and unjust. Three, on protection of persons, there is legal duty of cooperation which establish an obligation for the international community to assist the states that are most affected by sea level rise, which includes CARICOM states. Excellencies, it should also be noted that our region is doing its utmost to prevent assaults to our peace and security by sea level rise through climate change adaptation actions. This is done to the greatest extent possible with the limited resources of our disposal, at our disposal. There are nevertheless limits to what we as a region can adapt to. As an international community, we must simultaneously plan and organize a system of address 
system to address inevitable loss and damage, which uproot our peace and security. This call on us to provide equitable solutions that are in line with countries' international obligations and rights to address difficult issues in a systematic manner, such as climate change, displacement, including the treatment of climate refugees. Excellencies, having a truly international plan and system for addressing these climate change-related dis disruptors to international peace and security will allow for its continued maintenance. Going forward, we urge the Security Council to work closely with the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change by inputting into, inputting into a coordinated approach to address this common concern of humankind and to give adequate attention to the humanitarian consequences of climate-related security risk. Our CARICOM region will continue our pursuit for climate justice and call on the international community to assist in protecting our peace and security. I thank you. I thank the representative of Antigua and Barbuda for their statement. And I now give the floor to the representative of Tuvalu. Thank you, Mr. President. Let me first thank the briefers for their statements and Malta for convening this open debate. I stand here today as a living reminder that the issues being discussed are central to the lives and livelihoods of my people. The impacts of sea level rise, its implications and consequences are not just ideas or statistics that are read out in statements. For Tuvalu and many of our fellow small islands and developing countries, these are the realities we face every day. And for us, the threats that sea level rise represents to our sovereignty and statehood is not hypothetical. The extensive threat that we face is real. It is forecast that in this century, several Pacific Island nations, including my own, Tuvalu, will lose considerable territory to rising sea level, with some becoming completely uninhabitable. We are facing the total inundations of our land by seawater. The UN Charter and our current international system is found on the fundamental principles of territorial integrity. Yet for us, this is being eroded on an epic scale. How are our people to preserve our heritage, culture, and rights? What obligations are owed towards our protection and the safeguarding of our sovereignty? We are not contributing to all to current climate crisis. All the Pacific Islands account for less than 0.03% of the world's current carbon emission total, far less in terms of historical emissions. Yet we are the ones at the forefront of impending climate disaster. Already we are facing terrible consequences of sea level rise, 
Rising seawater has penetrated and contaminated our groundwaters, causing crops and vegetation to die. We are losing precious coral that supports the marine life, which provides our daily protein consumption and ensures our overall food security. Higher tides are increasing the intensity of the storms we face, devastating our homes and fields. Our youth and families are being forced to move, with some leaving, our communities drifting apart. This is today, and the situation is only going to get worse. Mr. President, Tuvalu and our Pacific brothers and sisters have been raising alarm bells in international forums for several years now. We are deeply grateful for the support of many countries, some of whom have spoken today on the critical topic with a serious security concern for us. This morning, we had speakers after speakers raising the threat posed by rising sea level and asking what should be done. The Secretary General also asked for innovative legal and practical solutions to address its impact on the very existence of the land territory of some countries. Let me put forward Tuvalu's views on what is needed, as outlined by my Prime Minister, Honorable Gausea Natano. Besides the urgent efforts to address these issues in climate change mitigation and adaptation, we need a global settlement that guarantees nation states, like mine, permanent existence beyond the inhibitable life of our atoll homes, one that recognizes and protects our cultural integrity, our human and economic capital, and our sovereignty. As our briefer, Ms. Pasisi, Director of Climate Change of the Pacific Community, said so eloquently this morning, any solution must be co-created and enacted with the people and government of island nation, not visited upon us by others. To achieve this, we urgently need a global dialogue that acknowledges the realities and rights of the United Nations member states who face an existential threat from rising sea level. Tuvalu and others are already taking important steps. The Pacific Islands are pressing for action in international legal forums and processes. We initiated a Future Now project in 2021 to take a proactive stance for Tuvalu amidst climate change. And at last year's United Nations General Assembly, Prime Minister Nadano and President Gamboa of the Republic of the Marshall Islands launched the Rising Nation Initiative to fill the current gaps in awareness, legal framework, and political commitment, and bring the international community together to support our push for a global settlement. I therefore count on all your support to take action now. We cannot wait any longer. I thank you, Mr. President. I thank the representative of Tuvalu for their statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Guatemala. Yeah. President. President, we thank the delegation of Malta for convening this open debate, which we believe is of particular importance because the rise in sea level affects more than 70 states. 
this is, in fact, more than one-third of the international community. In fact, uh, as we well know, this phenomenon is already having repercussions, growing repercussions, on many essential aspects of life in coastal zones uh, for states, uh, for low-lying states and for small island states, and in particular for their populations. Similarly, it is probable that another group of relatively numerous states will be indirectly affected. For instance, by population displacements, a lack of resources and threats to food security. Rising sea level has become a global phenomenon. It therefore creates problems that affect the international community as a whole. Climate change and its negative impact is an undeniable reality. We should address this uh, topic as a threat to international peace and security. Postponing this will lead to devastating consequences in the long term if we do not act immediately and decisively. The Charter of the United Nations calls on us to promote international economic and social cooperation in order to ensure higher living standards, universal respect for human rights, and solution to international uh, problems and economic and social ones in a peaceful manner. This principle should guide the action of member states when we seek to resolve the problems m mentioned in harmony with the principles of sovereign equality and domestic legal systems. Rising seas have the potential to create tensions in relationships between states as they increase the migratory displacement and uh, also the Security Council, in accordance with Chapter 6 of the Charter, calls on parties to settle their disputes uh, through the ICJ and ITLOS. In this regard, the focus of the Council should be preventing conflicts and resolving them through peaceful means based on scientific evidence. This also should include an increase in cooperation with the Economic and Social Council when we address these problems. In extreme cases, the Security Council uh, should resort to Chapter 7 when these uh, disagreements uh, threaten to breach the peace. International cooperation should include assistance and skills transfers to developing countries, including island states, in order to enable them to uh, adapt uh, to the consequences of climate change. Sea level rise results in inundation of low-lying uh, coastal areas and islands. Guatemala notes the consequences that this can have in the context of the low law of the sea and the sovereignty of states. And we call on those states' presence to continue working with the ILC with the aim of clarifying how the international legal system can respond to this situation. In this context, it is important for the international legal system to offer certainty and stability to states regarding their respective sovereign rights in accordance with UNCLOS. We also highlight the importance of preventive action and regional action. One example of this is the uh, Greater Caribbean Mobility uh, Climate Mobility Initiative, which has a vision and a roadmap 
on uh, gathering f to gather data and uh, developing a common action agenda as well as modeling future climate mobility. Guatemala reiterates its commitment to the Charter. This is a critical time to address the consequences of climate change and we should take decisive action before it is too late. I thank you, President. I thank the representative of Guatemala for their statement and I now give the floor to the representative of Ukraine. Hi. Thank you, Mr. President, distinguished members of the Security Council. We thank the Maltese Presidency for convening this important debate, and we would like to thank all briefers for their comprehensive presentations. Ukraine has always been a promoter of intensified and concerted actions to address climate change as a global threat to international peace and security. In particular, as an elected Security Council member in 2016-2017, Ukraine organized in April 2017 an ARIA formula meeting on security implications on, of sea level rise. It's a common understanding that rising sea levels undermines the viability of low-lying regions around the world that do not feature high-lying areas. Particularly, small island developing states will be affected by rising sea levels that will inevitably undermine prospects of their future existence. Up to 73% of island states will face increasingly dry conditions by the middle of this century, while rising sea levels are swallowing up their coastlines. It's not just a matter of climate, it's a matter of the security of these countries and broader, the global security. Displacement of people and destruction of critical infrastructure, changes in coastlines caused by sea level rise are particularly worrisome in regions already characterized by political and socioeconomic tensions and may result in additional or enhanced threats to peace and security. At the same time, climate-induced sea level is mostly a slow onset event that provides member states and the United Nations in general with significant time to prepare and respond. It's a matter of alarm, therefore, that aggressive behavior of Russia has been multiplying conflicts and thus undermining our ability to concentrate on resolving global threats already existed. It shows interlinkages within the global security architecture as the Russian invasion of Ukraine affected the world's capabilities to efficiently address the climate-related threats. The war has also aggravated the food crisis throughout the globe, affecting mostly those countries suffering from the existing manifestations of climate change, in particular catastrophic droughts, large-scale floods. It means that as soon as comprehensive, just and lasting peace in Ukraine based on the UN Charter principles is achieved, our common actions to combat such global threats as climate change and protect countries exposed to sea level rise would be more efficient and targeted. I thank you. Thank the representative of Ukraine for their statement. And I now give the floor to the representative of Bahrain. Thank you, President. At the outset, I would like to hail the presence here of the Minister of Foreign Affairs who presided over the open debate today. I also thank uh, the opponent, uh, Representative Malta, for organizing the open debate today. 
on this important issue uh, which allows us to track the awful consequences of climate change and their impact on international peace and security. We would like to thank His Excellency Antonio Guterres, uh, Secretary General of the United Nations, as well as His Excellency Shabak Rossi, President of the GA. We also thank the speakers uh, for their briefings. The link between sea level rise and international peace and security is a complicated one. The uh, increase in sea levels brings about uh, complex and interlocking challenges. This could threaten the stability of societies politically, economically, and in terms of security, as well as affecting the environment. This could in turn lead to conflict. In addition, the exodus uh, from the rural and local communities due to rising sea levels could exercise pressure for resources on countries in the future. This could also increase tensions and result in instability. The United States and the United Nations and member states have a critical role to play in addressing this challenge. When we tackle rising sea levels, we should deploy a collective and concerted effort, both nationally and internationally, in order to mitigate the effects of this phenomenon and prevent uh, the probable consequences for international peace and security. We should focus on sustainable solutions for the benefit of all. President uh, Bahrain, as an island state, is convinced that climate change represents a global threat that requires global solutions. Under the high patronage of His Majesty Hamad bin Isal Haifa, we have placed uh, the principle of sustainable development at the heart of our national strategy through the economic vision of Bahrain for 2030. Amir Salman Belhamad Khalifa, the uh, Prince and uh, Prime Minister, highlighted at the Glasgow and Sharm el Sheikh conferences in 2021 and 2022 the commitment of our country to achieve carbon neutrality by 2060. We have thus adopted a series of short term goals that by 2030, we hope to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions by 30% through initiatives for carbon reduction and investment in renewable energy initiatives. The Kingdom of Bahrain has also carried out uh, studies to assess the impact of sea level rise on coastal zones. We have set up a long-term plan which is in harmony with the, the uh, challenges and uh, the nature, natural resource areas that we should preserve. In the area of uh, environment and uh, climate change, we are using all resources available to bolster the collective efforts and to adopt advanced uh, solutions to ensure climate security and to address and ensure the aspirations of all countries in accordance with the SDGs. We support uh, the exchange of uh, best practices and skills transfers in order to address this global challenge that could have very negative consequences on international peace and security, and I thank you. I thank the representative of Bahrain for this statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Nauru. 
Madam President, um, I have the honor to deliver this statement on behalf of the Group of Friends on Climate and Security, a broad and diverse group of over 60 states from all regions of the world. On behalf of this group, let me confess, congratulate Malta on assuming the presidency of the United Nations Security Council and extend our appreciation for convening this open debate on the important topic of sea level rise and its implications for international peace and security. Madam President, sea level rise fueled by climate change poses a substantial threat to island nations and coastal communities around the world. An average sea level rise of between 25 to 58 centimeters is predicted already by the middle of this century along the coastlines of island states. Depending on temperature scenarios, it is estimated that between 130 million to half a billion people live in areas that will be submerged in the long run. This will be devastating, particularly for the small island developing states, where one third of the population live below five meters above sea level. To contain this threat, it is essential that the global community accelerates its effort, efforts to adapt and mitigate climate change and keeps a 1.5 degree Celsius limit to temperature rise within reach. This, to this end, states must take ambitious actions in the implementation of the Paris Agreement and the decisions under this agreement, including the Glasgow Climate Pact and the Shamel Sheikh Implementation Plan. Measures must also take into be taken to fast track women's full, equal and meaningful participation in preventing and addressing climate affected conflicts in relation to sea level rise. We also need to enhance efforts to contain the security consequences of rising sea levels through initiatives aimed at increasing the resilience of states to climate change, in particular with regard to disaster risk reduction. As such, we welcome the Secretary General's announcement on early warning systems. Madam President, it is agreed by all the climate by all that climate change is causing a multi-dimensional crisis with repercussions of sustainable development, including climate-related displacement, food security, and growing inequalities, all of which increases the risk of conflict and prospectively increase interstate tensions. We need to recognize the links between climate change, energy, energy security, forced displacement, peace building, human security, development, gender inequality, and protecting human rights. Recognizing the multidimensional relationship between climate change and peace is crucial to developing effective and sustainable responses to the challenges posed to peace building. In this regard, we stress the importance of the UN Secretary General's Peace Building Fund investments in support of building and sustaining peace in relation to climate change implications. We welcome in particular the collaboration between the UN Secretary General's Peace Building Fund, UNDP, and, its in, and the International Organization for Migration in the first climate security project in the Pacific. It, rep it represents the first multi-country initiative of its kind in the Pacific region, which proposes concrete assessment and actions at all levels to tackle climate change, climate-related security risks. Likewise, in Africa, the IOM with the World Bank and the others in the UN system have been working with regional partners on the Africa Climate Mobility Initiative, which is evidence-based and aims to generate political momentum around a common policy agenda and to mobilize resources for the implementation of comprehensive and locally anchored solutions to address climate mobility and displacement. This is a good practice that could be implemented in other contexts. Madam President, we have repeatedly, and I mean repeatedly, and repeatedly called for the following to be considered 
regular reporting by the Secretary General on the security implications of climate change, the appointment of the Special Representative for Climate and Security, who could improve the UN's ability to address climate-related security risks, climate-sensitive prevention, mediation, and peace building, and the inclusion of women in these processes, as well as training for all relevant UN personnel on the implications of climate change on peace and security and humanitarian crisis, and finally, more cooperation with civil society, regional, and national act actors. The entire UN system must address this challenge in all relevant fora and with all relevant mandates. The climate security mechanism is one laudable example of interagency cooperation, strengthening the capacity of the UN system to analyze and address the adverse impacts of climate change on peace and security. We encourage all member states to continue to support and engage with the CSM. We welcome the Secretary General's call on for an increased focus on the effects of climate change has on peace and security in our common agenda, and ask the Security Council to take on our suggestions to help drive action to address the security implications of climate change and of sea level rise caused by it. I thank you. I thank the representative of Nauru for the statement. And then I'll give the floor to the representative of Niger. Madam President, I thank you for giving me the floor. On behalf of the delegation of Niger, I would like to congratulate Malta for organizing this important debate on the implications of sea level rise for international peace and security. We are heartened to see that more and more members of the Council are placing the security implications of climate change on the agenda of their presidencies of this body. This signals growing interest in this topic and allows for a frank discussion to present the facts regarding this pressing issue. In line with the Niger Irish Initiative of December 2021, we remain of the view that the adoption of a resolution on the security risks of climate change will strengthen the ability of the United Nations Security Council to better understand this phenomenon and to address it within the framework of its mandate and will enable it to take informed measures to deal with these risks. This would improve, include improving data collection and monitoring and analysis of the effects of climate change in the context of armed conflict and humanitarian emergencies. At this stage, I would like to thank the Secretary General, the President of the General Assembly, and all the other speakers for their enlightening presentations this morning. Madam President, climate change is already reshaping our world. In Africa, climate shocks and sea level rise are already a source of losses and damage, forcing people to abandon their lands and their livelihoods in search of safer land and new income opportunities. The arid and semi-arid countries of the Sahelian Belt and the Horn of Africa are amongst the most vulnerable regions of the African continent. Glowing, growing climate risks in a warming world threaten to further undermine our infrastructure, our agriculture, and the livelihoods of our people. Pastoralists, fishing communities, and small farmers are among the most vulnerable groups, leading to conflicts over access to and control of dwindling natural resources. By 2050, 
climate impacts are expected to intensify population movements towards growing African cities, many of which are in vulnerable coastal areas, particularly in West Africa. To avoid uncontrolled movements that expose people to new risks, it is necessary to provide people and communities facing climate stressors with the information and resources that they need to make informed decisions on if, when, and where to move. That is why building on the continental efforts of the African Climate Mobility Initiative, the government of Niger will work closely with the Global Center for Climate Mobility to conduct an in-depth national analysis of the migration dynamics triggered by climate change in our country. The goal is to develop a master plan to integrate climate mobility into Niger's adaptation and development plans. Thanks to its unique geographical location and its experience in hosting refugees and managing its own internally displaced people in recent years, Niger is called upon to play a major role in the search for solutions to the consequences of climate disruption in the Sahel. That is why at COP27, President Mohamed Bazoum pledged to act as a champion of climate mobility and to work with other affected states to increase the attention and the support of the international community on this issue. Indeed, we consider ourselves to be in solidarity with the states and the peoples of the Pacific Islands who are facing an existential threat linked to rising sea levels. Climate change, Madam President, is a threat multiplier for states and social cohesion, including in Africa. We have seen the cross-border effects of state fragility and the risks that it poses to human and regional security in our neighborhood. Yet, while climate change has implications for international security, it is first and foremost a threat to the security and the well-being of the people and communities most affected. We must, therefore, prioritize the development needs and aspirations of our people and protect them through adequate investments in climate adaptation. In the interests of international peace and security, we cannot fail this test and lose the trust of the public. An opportunity to build resilience in Africa and other vulnerable regions, regions vulnerable to the climate is presenting itself now, but the window to deliver on that promise is shrinking rapidly. It is therefore high time that the promises made to developing countries are kept. Let us work together to put people at the heart of our collective response to the climate crisis. Every organ of the United Nations, including this council, has a role to play in this fight. Thank you. We thank the representative of Niger for this statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of Maldives. Thank you, Madam President. I wish to thank Dr. Jan Borg, Minister for Foreign Affairs and European Affairs and Trade of Malta, for convening this important debate as the President of the Council for the month of February. I would also like to thank the eminent experts for providing us with the valuable insights in their briefing this morning. I align my statement with the statement delivered by Samoa as the chair of AOSIS. Madam President, I was just nine years old back then, but I vividly remember that day, the day the surge of tidal waves inundated my island and flooded my home. My father was desperately piling sacks of sand to prevent more water from entering our home. 
I remember being very scared, thinking to myself that my home, my island, was sinking. This was in 1987, when king tides inundated much of our capital city, Mali, causing extensive damage. Of course, this was a time when climate change and its science was very much in its infancy. However, the floods in Mali gave, grave, grave, gave credence to the growing opinion on the links between greenhouse gas emissions, rising global temperatures, and consequently, sea level rise. It was soon becoming increasingly clear that the world faced a serious environmental challenge, and one that places low-lying islands among the most vulnerable. In response, the government of Maldives initiated an emergency conference on the issue of sea level rise, inviting 14 ministers from small island states as well as scientists and observers. It was the first meeting of its kind, which highlighted the threats global warming and sea level rise posed to small islands and signaled the unequivocal need for the broadest possible international cooperation to manage the impending crisis. Ultimately, it was this early conference that culminated in the establishment of Alliance of Small Island States, AOSIS. Looking back, it's astonishing and in some ways depressing that we are still negotiating and discussing this more than 30 years later. The, the implications of the sea level rise and what needs to be done. Madam President, today, all of humanity stands on the precipice of a triple planetary crisis, an interlinking of climate change, pollution, and biodiversity loss that, if left in on its own vices, could destabilize the Earth systems. This is a sentiment that echoes the very essence of the recent Earth Commission's presentation that took place at the World Economic Forum last month. While 80% of our islands a meter above sea level, and 50% of all our housing structures within just 100 meters of the coastline. Rising sea levels and extreme weather events pose serious threats to the very existence of small island states such as mine, the Maldives. IPC's sixth assessment report has made it amply evident that low-lying islands, including the Maldives, were particularly vulnerable to the cool cumulative and cascading risks of climate events. While we may be a small country, our size has not hindered our resolve and might in being a defined voice in climate advocacy among member states, especially since the Security Council held its first debate on security and climate almost 16 years back. To reiterate, most recently in 2021, Foreign Minister Shahid reminded this council that sea level rise two meters would submerge the Maldives in its entirety. Madam President, my delegation would like to highlight that human activity has contributed to abrupt and large-scale changes in Earth systems. The scientific data and evidence are abundantly clear that climate change will continue to exacerbate its impact on our oceans and their biodiversity. It is therefore impelling on policymakers to heed the planetary boundaries framework called for by scientists and experts. 
The IPCC anticipates sea level rise could rise by about half a meter by 2100, even if the greenhouse gas emissions are sharply reduced, or rise up to one meter if greenhouse gas emissions continue to increase. Such a scenario suggests that low-lying coastal areas like Maldives could become uninhabitable by 2050. That's 27 years from now. This will mean losing our culture, way of life, homes, and livelihoods built upon many, many generations. At a societal level, climate change will have a cascading impact on food, water, and health security and exacerbated gender inequalities. This is the sobering reality that we are speaking of. Losing our country, losing our very identity, effectively rendering us stateless. Climate change is our number one security threat. This is why the Maldives, with other small island developing states, have consistently reminded the international community of the importance to limit the Earth's warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. This is why we continue to urge the international community to raise ambition and match action towards this goal. Despite the grave circumstances of climate risk, it is disappointing to hear opposition to recognition, opposition to recognize or enhance the role of Security Council in addressing the peace and security threats related to climate change, especially since this council has This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.